back to the Gooch. It's been a week. How you been? Hopefully good. We're doing episode five. We're doing <laughs> yeah. police accountability. We're talking about the RCMP. We're talking about the American police. It's going to get dark, but it's going to be worth it. It's yeah. going to be worth it. I'm um, excited for this one. You know, I, I, I really just want to start this whole thing off uh, with just... Last week, I really want you to just kind of go over the rights and yep. the charter and how to, you know, maybe stop some of these things from escalating, you yeah. know, to the point of violence on the police side. Like, what can you do as a citizen and what should you know as a citizen that might prevent some of this from happening? Before we get into the yeah. dark, I well, want to start with the 100%. With let's the like law. establish yeah. the right. So. At the outset, one thing I always have to do is uh, make a disclaimer. Nothing I say is legal advice. It is uh, const- if it, it can't be construed as legal advice. They're legal suggestions. If they're anything even resembling legal advice, I am not a lawyer. I do have a law degree. I do have sufficient knowledge. But the law society's monopoly over the uh, the uh, the uh, giving out of legal advice prevents yeah, me from these providing are all legal thoughts advice. And opinions. Thoughts and opinions. So. Um, I guess the best place to start is to know a couple of very, very basics around how you, how your rights interact with police officers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked before about how federalism works in Canada. The, the federal government has uh, exclusive jurisdiction over the, the disbursement of the criminal law. Um, enforcement has always been debated on that one between provincial, municipal, and federal governments. But the federal government has to maintain a police force just for interprovincial and border-related issues anyways. So yeah. uh, that's kind of what sparked the creation of the RCMP way back when. But <clears throat> to start with the the rights aspect, the most important sentence anyone can learn when it comes to dealing with police officers is, am I being detained? Because yeah. that right there is what triggers your rights. So if you go through the charter, there's several different rights that um, are provided to you. I think at the outset, one thing I'm going to point out as well, that a lot of people seem to misconstrue, especially in these days of TikTok and the anti-mass brigade and all of that fun stuff, is the charter is a defense against federal action. Federal action. That is it. It does not actually work to protect you from individuals. It doesn't work to protect you from businesses. Uh that would be human ra- human rights legislation in your province or territory. Um, the charter only intervenes um, in cases of federal overstep. So that's that's a part that's really important to know. Now, because the police are often uh, an extension of the federal government, in the case of the RCMP, that's going to be why the charter would come into play in a lot of those conversations. So the reason why am I being detained or uh, is... Uh, is such an important sentence is because that's what's called a uh, a triggering effect. It's a it triggers the rights under section eleven <clears throat> to your right to uh, seek counsel. Okay, so that's an important one right off the bat. So um, it doesn't matter. Also, the scenario in which the the officer approaches you is almost irrelevant. It's actually largely your your feeling of detention. So even if the officer says that you're not being detained, if you then express that I feel as though I'm being detained. Am I allowed to leave, officer? And they impede your ability to leave physically or verbally. You are being detained. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, so, what are some what are some reasons why a police officer might detain you? I mean, obviously, it's circumstantial a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like, this is kind of the issue when you talk to lawyers. They 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 they, they like to go in and uh, you know explain things from the start. But a lot of the times, a lot of these. 
interactions with police are minute second by second decisions, 100%, right? Yeah. So like, I think it would be best if we did a little like. I, I'm the cop. You're the guy getting arrested. Yeah. Like I, I pull you over. Let's say you're going 20 yep. over the speed limit, and I'm I'm knocking on your window. Uh, could I see your license and registration, please? Like, yep. what would be your response to that? So the the vehicle one, 100. percent So uh, yes, I'm going to give you. So most, they have a legal right yeah. to re- request that information. Yeah. You, as a citizen, have a requirement to identify yourself when using public facilities, public roads, things okay. of that nature. And that that only goes for the driver of the vehicle, not the passengers. Correct. Uh, yes. In most cases, there yeah. are going to be smaller examples, well, like yeah, circumstances that go around. It, well, the, and that, and or... that comes down to the, the observational data that an officer can yeah. glean from a, from a traffic stop. And like I said, all this happens within seconds of being pulled over. A hundred percent. So like, this is why it's, it's so vital to understand that when you're driving a vehicle, you need to give them that information yeah. because I'd say most, uh, aggressive, regardless if yeah. you're breaking a law yeah. or not, yeah. you have to provide yeah. that. I didn't uh, know that. Okay. Every and, defense lawyer I've ever <clears throat> spoken to is adamant, the fact that they can get you they can get actions that you might have done during the interaction yeah they can get that taken off the record much easier than they can convince an officer that you were non-compliant on valid basis okay so, so non-compliance is always the worst option yeah. you always want to comply to a fault almost because the way the the police the policing industry works is they file charges against you yeah. if you take any missteps towards you. And it's important you. to know at this point in the interaction, nothing is binding. Yeah. Nothing matters. Yeah. So you, you shouldn't negotiate with the police officer yeah. at all. A police officer cannot find you guilty. <laughs> yeah. That is an important thing to know. A yeah. police officer can find you in a situation in which you look guilty and can claim as such. That yeah. is all they can do, right? They can yeah. provide whatever evidence they can so to I try and support that claim. The best advice you can get at this point <clears throat> is just keep a cool head. Follow yeah. the follow their directions. Because, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the more violent... Um, you know, uh, the most dangerous thing that they say uh, in training to police, and I know this because I've done a bit, is your most dangerous time is when you're doing a pullover. Yeah. When, when you're stopping somebody, you don't know anything. And like I said, this is second by second reaction. Yeah. Uh, when the cop's walking up to the vehicle, they can't see your hands. They're, you know, they're, they're feared for their life. And that, that's part of, of their training. I want to get into that later. Yep. But it's important at this point in time, uh, to just kind of follow the direction. Now, let's say this goes a little darker. Now, let's say, uh, you know, you give them the license and registration, they go back to the car, they pull your information, and then they come back and ask you to get out of the vehicle. What do you do at this point? If I'm being asked, so then my first question is, am I being detained, officer? Right? Okay. So um, bec- the, the reason for that question is, again, because it triggers Section 11, which then gives me immediate... Or as soon as is the the the, the verbiage in the the legis- or not in the legislation in the decision by the by the the courts was um, as soon as is uh, reasonably practicable within the law, which typically okay. means like ASAP. If you have a phone on you, the officer has to allow you access to your phone. Yeah, um, they can pro- they can do the search prior to providing mm-hmm. you access, so that that's not going to get in that middle ground of yeah. reasonableness there. Um, but let's say you don't have a phone, the officer has a cell phone, there is no uh, requirement on the officer to provide you the cell phone. They can okay. bring you back to the station and give you access, but they have to give you access to a phone immediately upon so uh, showing let's, up at the station. So uh, let's, let's say in this circumstance, you've had a couple beers, yep. right? And the officer smells it. That's why he's asking you to get out of your vehicle. Do, like in your opinion, in this position, because 
this is this is where a lot of violence really takes over on the yeah. behalf of the policing, right? Like either it's drugs or alcohol. You know, that's one of the most uh, you know potential violent <clears throat> situations that can occur, right? So let's say he says yes, you are being detained. We're gonna do a few. Uh, field tests. I, I, I'm under the impression, and then they'll read you some sort of charter that it's like the Miranda law in the states. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, in Canada, it's more we demand this by the courts: a test of your this or a so, sample of blood or breath. Alcohol intoxication of any kind yeah. is a little bit inter- more interesting because there's a, a time requirement yeah. for the officers, so they have to make sure that they get. There's two tests that are requirement: the roadside one, and then you have to get one confirming exactly. It back at the yeah, station, you got to right? get the intoxilizer test if it's alcohol related. Yeah. But um, this is this is kind of where I'm asking, like, because this is where people will start freaking out, right? Yep. This is where the fight or flight will engage. If you have had a few beers and you're kind of questioning things, am I okay to drive? Like, in my opinion, in this situation, so, so here, let's let's yeah. play out the scenario I, yeah. where where you're the officer. So you can yeah. ask me, like, have you had anything to drink? Right? Yeah, have you had anything to drink tonight, uh, officer? Am I required to answer these questions? Yes. Uh, I don't believe that I am required to answer these questions under law. Can you uh, explain the law that? Well, uh, during my uh, short investigation of your vehicle, I can smell, uh, you know, uh, lots of alcohol coming from your breath. I'd like to uh, detain you at this point. Okay. And uh, take if I'm being detained, I would like access to a phone so I can call my lawyer. You can do that right then. Yes, you okay. can ask that. Now they don't they, have they don't have to give you the access right away. They yeah. can continue an investigation. But here's one important thing. Well, two two very important things. One, stay calm and be respectful at all yes. times. So that is the most important thing. Yes. Now, if the officer asks, are you getting angry? It doesn't matter that you have a right to be angry. It doesn't yeah. matter that you have a right to be upset because your answer to that question, yes, I'm getting angry, like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm getting agitated, can that. be used as a reasoning for the officer to feel defensive in the That's moment. That's exactly it. Right? Yeah. Which can then say that they were in self-defense when they decided to attack you because you were about to grab lip gloss to put on or, okay, yeah. or whatever. So you want to make sure... And that all goes back to that use of force graph that I kind of sent yeah. you guys. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, when you asked the question after that, when I sent it and you were like, is there like just a list that breaks this down i tried uh, finding list? one no, no no it's simply that circle and the reason why they do that is because it's yeah very fluid fluid yeah. exactly so basically at any time if the officer feels that they've been threatened they then have under the use of force guide which is essentially a circle you can look up canadian use of force and basically it determines at, at what point do you stop talking and start using soft hand hard hand lethal action controls and you know intermediate weapons things like that all fall into that now let's say in this point of the conversation uh you know the officers detained you you and uh like you you get your cell phone and start calling your your lawyer you're legally allowed to do that at that point so again usually what they're gonna want to do don't don't do any of that right so again they're they're gonna pat you down first you know, t- test breathalyze you if they if they're able. So, bre- especially yeah. in the case of an alcohol one, they're 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 more than uh, legally required to collect that evidence immediately. Yeah. Okay. Right? There's not yeah. and, and and even if they weren't, again, this is another one of those is- uh, instances in which if they weren't, a good lawyer will point that out. They yeah. will go, yeah, actually, we're going to get that tossed out because you weren't uh, they they weren't advised of their rights at that time, which means they weren't detained, and you actually stole that evidence, right? Ah. So, so a good lawyer will argue that away yeah. if there was no legal requirement to provide yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's a big important thing. Again, 
The things that you why... do can be erased. Yeah. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. They try to avoid doing things that they think that they have a right to avoid doing. Yeah. Rather than arguing retroactively that they didn't have to do those things and therefore it shouldn't be considered yeah, by the court. Yeah, that's right? something that you got to consider. It's not in the moment of the situation. Exactly. It's in the moment again, of what's determined by law. Yeah. Police cannot determine guilt. Okay. They cannot determine guilt. Yeah. Right? So let's say in this situation, we'll keep going here. Because mm. uh, the reason why I picked DUI is because, like I said, this is the, the historically the most uh, potentially violent pullover yeah. or interaction you're going to have it's with a police officer. It's also the hardest one. So I have to give very broad responses because yeah. it's one of the only ones that also is both a a municipal <clears throat> violation, like it's a regulatory issue, yeah. um, but it's also, a, there are criminal regulations against driving while intoxicated and driving mm-hmm. impaired. So it depends which way the officer is intending to go, what jurisdiction they have as well. Yeah, so fair enough. That the because if they're going criminal, you have a heightened level of rights because you have more to lose. Whereas if they're going regulatory, um, and and let's say they they weren't planning on going the criminal route for being for driving while intoxicated. That might in, entitle them to an extra five minutes, ten minutes of uh, of delay in terms mm. of providing access to a lawyer. Um, just uh, again, because you're not at uh, risking as much in the instance. Fair enough. Yeah. No. And you know, this situation can go a number of different ways. So I'll just kind of end it there. You know, I think it's just important to identify. You know, when you're being detained, <clears throat> to maintain a calm demeanor. So and to understand that nothing is binding. Yeah. In, so in these again, in in cases of being pulled over, it's just safe to presume you're being detained because okay. even if you're being detained for questioning, they're allowed to do that in yeah. the case of driving. Right. Yeah. So there's just there's a heightened level of police um, uh, oversight. Oh, well, not oversight in terms of again over the police, but police have heightened uh, abilities when you're driving. Mm-hmm. Um, just because again the safety factor and the fact that every every move you're doing is governed by licensed operations, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. your your vehicle, your your driver's license, all of that. So yeah. So there's not like a lot of presumed in- entitlements for drivers, but if you're in a, I think it gets a lot stickier, especially in Ontario and Alberta, where they so. Alberta got rid of the practice of carding. I don't know if, if you don't know what that is. Carding is where a police will go and ask random people for uh, an identify a, an identification check on the side of the road. And they, they do this not randomly per se, um, but it has to be within a two kilometer radius of where someone was supposed, someone suspicious supposedly was. Yeah. So they have to have some sort of reasonable grounds. Now that, that is very murky and it hasn't been, uh, I would say that that's one of the areas in which police overstep on a regular basis, mostly because the citizens don't know what their rights are in those yeah. circumstances. Yeah. But carding was was determined to be illegal by the Supreme Court. So um, police still do it on a regular basis, but now they do it under uh, street checks. Yeah. So Edmonton's one of the top for street checks, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Alberta in general, they do a lot of street checks. What this is is basically a direct abuse over minorities. Because that's who they check. This is like stop and frisk yeah. down in uh, uh, New York. Yeah. If, if you're an American listening. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. So um, it, the the use of carding got flagged by the Supreme Court and was discussed by the Supreme Court in a case coming out of Ontario in which um, a black teenager was 
uh, stopped by police officers somewhere around two and a half, three kilometers from where someone suspicious was said to have been. And not not dressed front. like this, this anything else, yeah. right? Um, but he had a, a hoodie on and he had a knife in his kangaroo pocket. Yeah. Um, likely for defense, but I'm not going to put anything on the record there. If you're carrying a knife, by the way, it's for work. Yeah, There's a always. legal loophole there. If you get stopped and you happen to be carrying a knife or you're just one of those guys that does, they're out there, understand that you're carrying that for work purposes because as soon as you say you're carrying it for self-defense... You're not allowed to have a weapon. Exactly. Yeah. It can be seized and essentially on that use of force graph that I was talking about, a yeah. police officer now has complete authority to use hard hand controls and intermediate weapons to detain you and stop you right there. They also have reasonable grounds to suspect that there's other weapons in the vehicle and we'll then look through that. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues. Oh I, didn't, I, I don't, I can't confirm the legal loophole there, actually. I've never looked into that, but yeah, that's no, interesting. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that, 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 that is, like, that, that uh, makes sense to if me. If you're carrying, like, a, like an X-Acto knife or, uh, you know, even, uh, even one of those, uh, you know, not mechanically assisted, it's important in Canada that you don't have yeah. a mecha- mechanically assisted blade or a switchblade, as it's called, or a butterfly knife, or anything that's uh, like there's like different spring loaded. Pro- yeah, things. There, there's a lot of prohibited weapons in Canada too. But it's important that if you're just carrying a knife and you happen to be carrying it for work, or you know, you just happen to be carrying one, if you get into a conversation with a police officer, you have to identify that as something that you're using for work. Yeah. Otherwise, like I said, you can get into a, a very bad situation very quick. Yeah. And even just saying it's for work, they can still detain you right there. Yeah. You know, because that, that basically you're, you're admitting to carrying a weapon concealed, right? But that's, again, a weapon can be really anything, and this is not binding. This is strictly just them doing investigating. Yeah. This isn't a point in time for you to freak out. It is always to claim it's not calm. a weapon because exactly this is where you ask for the officer's name and identification number. Um, so Do they that, have to provide that? That's another question I'd like to ask. Oh, that doesn't sound. It's not. It's not cut and dry because yeah. the problem is, is that if they if they don't provide it. What do you do? Get hostile and then get beaten? There's really, unfortunately, you can say, yeah, officers have to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. But the reality is, is that there's nobody to enforce that. True. Right? That's why we see these fuckers throwing their lights on to run through red lights, right? Yeah. On a regular basis. And yeah. this is like the most common thing on a regular, like they, they don't ever get pulled over for that. They fly through four way, uh, like through stop signs, like well, nobody's I, I, business. I see it in small town, uh, small town, Alberta, BC yep. all the time, you know, like. I see uh, it in St. Albert all the oh, time. Oh yeah, it's yeah. St. Albert growing up there. They'll literally just like, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't, never mind, never mind. We'll, we'll, <laughs> there's, 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 there's basically an area with the Tim Hortons and that's, consistently the one if that's a red light and there's a cop park there the lights are going on they're pulling pulling right into the titties but that's but that's that's kind of we laugh but like if if one of us tried to do something like that like put put like a buddy cop light from on top of our car (laughs) oh i thought it was just the lights because clearly you're not above the law based off of the rule of law right officer (laughs) right no 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 it must have been the light permits me to go through that's the logical conclusion yeah Yeah, no you're gonna lose that a hundred times out of a hundred do do as i say not as i do right in uh in in canada i've been told that they won't allow more than like three or four police cars to be parked outside of a Tim Hortons at once. <laughs> it's like a bylaw they have, oh. and it's, it's 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 to stop that kind of stuff from happening. I thought that was funny. One of my uh, one of my police buddies told me that in uh, in certain cities uh, there there was oh, a law like where they can't yeah. unless there's a legal reason it's for prob- them to it's be probably there. Probably in their rules within their own like station or something. Yeah, just yeah, to yeah, save yeah. Face, but yeah, but with within these interactions, so so the the this guy 
um, shuffled the, the, I, I, again, I believe it was a weapon. It could have been a small amount of weed or something like that, but it doesn't really matter. He shuffled it from one side or another in his hoodie, within his hoodie. Yeah. And a part of this check, um, the officer charged him with uh, attempted traffic oh. because he moved it within his hoodie. Good. What? Yeah. So the, the lawyer got him off, but the problematic aspect of it, the, the fact that the officer tried to do this on the basis of what was already a very suspect stop may, managed to get itself all the way up to the Supreme Court in which they said, yeah, we got to stop this. Like, it's just used to harass minorities. That's yeah. really all it is, right? Yeah. yeah. And we'll get into a lot of harassing minorities when we start talking about Calgary police later. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so important things when you're dealing with an officer in public. One, it, when you're driving is if they pull you over, you are likely detained. You have to stay calm. Provide them the information in terms of license registration. You can be forthcoming in information if you want, but you have no legal requirement to be forthcoming in information pertaining to what you were doing. Hence that... And you don't have to participate in their investigation. You have to remain silent. Exactly. When they ask you something like, have you had anything to drink? Yeah. The question there is part of an investigation, right? Now, you can answer that in the moment, and it would be smarter for you to answer it in the moment than to deny information to the officers, which raises suspicion. And when suspicion is raised, if reasonable suspicion is raised, then the officer has the the right to perform an investigation or at least w- would would construe that kind of feedback, that kind of interaction as providing them a right to look more into you or look uh, more closely into you. So you want to make sure that in these interactions, you're participating with the officer. Now, don't be an idiot. Be like, yeah, well, I just dropped back uh, six Jagerbombs, but I know it takes me about six minutes for it to hit me, and I'm only three minutes from home, bitch. So the longer this takes, the more you're risking everybody. So, like, yeah, be smart about it. but, (laughs) but, But make sure that in the moment you participate, and if anything escalates, the most important thing to know is a good defense lawyer. Yeah. So you always want to have the name of a defense lawyer in your phone, which is hilarious that nobody has it. And we have 911 as emergency contacts. They are not there to help you. They are seldom there to help you, I will say. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's not their job. Lawyers, because they're paid to, are quite literally there to help you. They have to. The defense lawyer has to help you. So, again... Always have a good uh, defense lawyer on, on your cell phone at all times. It's just a good one to have from your local area. Yeah. If you're in Edmonton or in Alberta in general, Tom Engel. Tom, Tom Engel Law. Yeah, there's nobody that's even remotely close. Yeah, he was that, even on the CBC documentary we're going to be talking about yeah, as well. He, yeah, he's, he is front and center with almost all police accountability cases because he's one of the most vocal advocates. But either way, have a good defense lawyer on your phone at all times. So again, calm you are likely detained. Participate within reasonable limits. And you should know that those reasonable limits are, a lot of it is personal, right? Like, they can't go into very personal details. You can actually respond with, I actually don't feel comfortable answering that, right? Now, if they push and prod... Yeah, um, you'll probably get the, hey, why not, man? Well, well I, don't, I don't feel like this actually is uh, pertinent to the, the information that you need at the moment. Well, I think it is. Oh. Well, then I guess that we can have this discussion with my lawyer present. Okay, let's go downtown then. That's okay. usually how it'll end, right there. Yeah, and yeah. the best part is, and a lot of people don't want to be inconvenienced. Take the fucking inconvenience. Yeah. Take it up front. Yeah. Let them take you downtown. Because the inconvenience you get if you don't participate can end up with you on a heart monitor. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very do true. your very best to participate within reason. And if they want to 
They want to be the tough guy and bring you downtown. This is where having a very, very good defense lawyer comes in. Yeah. So that's important. Again, vehicles are different. Like when you're on the street, the detention question becomes much more important because the it doesn't matter if they're plain clothes or otherwise. It doesn't matter. Well, asking the question is super important because it actually will put the the officers typically it'll check their power because they know if the citizen knows that they're detained that they have a right to counsel yeah right officers know that they withhold that information or they try to prevent you from from knowing that information yeah and you know from a sales point if you don't know the price of a vehicle when you go in to shop for it you're about to you're about to give you know and that's i hate saying it but it's if you don't do your research that's what's going to happen because if you don't know your rights and, you know, they start asking you personal questions yep. and you don't stop them, you, you might, in fact, you know, uh, say something, something bad. That's, uh, that, that leads them to a further investigation, more information. Like, you want to say as little as possible in a tactful way is essentially what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And you don't want to be deceitful, right? Yeah. Like, don't be dishonest. Don't give a wrong name. Don't give, like... Now... Like, just, again, in most interactions, be as forthcoming as you feel comfortable yes. being, right? Again, these are questions that you you should... They, if the question makes you feel uncomfortable, then, then the officer, I would say, is likely overstepped. But yeah. again, get that dealt with after the fact. Yeah. Don't deal... Don't be a hero. Don't deal with it in the, fa- in, yeah. in the moment, right? Um, that, that's, I think, the most important thing. But it, for detention... Even if an officer, let's say two plain clo- a plainclothes officer approaches you on the street, right, and starts having a conversation, just like, hey, what, uh, have you happened to see anybody around here or anything like that? And in the moment of that, uh, like uh, over the course of that conversation, another plainclothes officer starts standing behind you. I can tell you by law right now, you are most likely detained. Yeah. Right? So that's why knowing that that question is in your pocket and, and confirming that is important because you can't go, I need access to a lawyer. You have to add, you they have to confirm as such, right? Yeah. Put them on notice that you know more about their rights than they think. Yeah. All right. That's a very important thing because that's a great way of checking power in the moment. Um, having cameras uh, around is an important thing as well. So mm-hmm. if you can, you, you can film them, if you're yeah. part of a conversation uh, in Alberta anyway, uh, this is part of the Investigators Act. Uh, you can record any conversation you're a part of. Yep. The other well, so that's in all of be... Canada. Yeah. So okay, in, in all, all of Canada, Quebec we have different. No. Oh, ooh, Quebec. Quebec doesn't use the same legal system as the yeah, rest that's, of Canada. That's so, I... so yeah, Quebec's a, a weird, a, a bit of an anomaly. Uh, some northern territories as well have full, ju- like Haida Gwaii has legal rights uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or legal jurisdiction over their people. Um, but yeah, you know, part, if you so. uh, if 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 you're in a you know maybe a uh, upside down situation involving a police officer you you can absolutely turn on your phone and record yep everything that's going on because you can record anyone in so a lot it, of ways yeah that first 10 minute interaction you have with the police sets up how your rights were either taken away or established yeah and if you record that you can literally uh, in a lot of ways um if that you know interaction led to you being charged and they violated your rights in that point yeah obviously if you don't have that recording 
that's not going to hold up in court. But if you do, yeah. your rights from that point, if let's say like I detain you for false reasons, yeah. or I uh, you know overstep and search your vehicle without the warrant, or they'll do a lot of things if they uh, if they want to, yeah. uh, thinking that you don't know your rights. Like I said, that 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 recording device it's could important. be the difference between you you going to jail and having a fine or having a fine. Well, especially since an officer yeah. has a heightened. Uh, um, voice in court like in the legal system for whatever reason crown prosecutors and uh judges tend to see them as more honest by virtue of having a badge on which Mm -hmm. is in my opinion nonsense but um but that recording can rebut that presumption that's exactly that's an important thing to have and that's why police officers hate pulling over uber drivers yeah and taxis because they have uh they've got a built-in camera nowadays yeah so if you're if you're a cop and pulling over a taxi you have to have like that established okay what are we pulling this guy over for whereas if you're just a a joe schmo this is why i've got a recording device and uh, even when i take a rental it pops on the windshield and it's in case they get into an accident but there's also the chance that well if i get pulled over speeding if i get pulled over for whatever reason yeah you know then i have a whole recording of the entire interaction because in court the police can submit only what they want they can do a lot like what the media does unless the judge asks unless the judge asks the defense and the the defense defense attorney will try to pull as much as possible because yeah. they're going to request footage from the dash cam there were if there's a body cam present they're going to request footage which from there the body likely cam. isn't if you're in alberta so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is unfortunate you know yeah. but uh really well yeah. yeah so so just in in cases of security cameras everything i'll just go over the quick rules and regulations to how how those things get dealt with in court as as evidence so first person you need first person um um knowledge for a recording of audio so audio um mean that all that means is that one person has to be aware that the audio is being recorded that can be you Mm -hmm. so you can record any conversation you have with anyone in this country Mm -hmm. that is uh legal um now cameras can be rolling at any given time Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter but if no one is present that knows that audio is on those cameras can't have audio yeah so you can't be recording audio just flagrantly in let's say your garage cam yeah right now there's ways of getting around that where where um, you could put a giant sign like that smile you're on camera yeah. and and go, I can hear you. Now, that might be enough, but you'd have to then uh, find a way to prove that that was brought enough to their attention so that they were actually made aware and any of the recordings prior to them becoming aware would actually get pulled out. So it yeah. would be a really sticky situation. But anyways, yeah. know, knowing those issues around recordings and how they work is important. And I'm going to just point one thing out right now that we're going to definitely get into in more depth later. But... <laughs> No police stations in Canada, as far as I know, have audio recording inside. Not one. Hmm. As far as I know, and I've I've looked into quite a bit, but I don't know of one. Hmm. So that's that. And and granted, I I haven't Hmm. looked at all of them. There might be some smaller town ones that do. But for the most part, it's not common practice. I, I, I'm not aware of this, so I'm not going to comment on that. But, no, but uh, I mean, I would think that just the the statement of they should would make sense, right? Oh, like, yeah, to me, yeah, that yeah. Makes, absolutely. They should. But yeah. I, I'm not going to talk on whether. They oh, do yeah, or yeah, don't. yeah, yeah. No, of course. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, so just knowing how to interact with like how evidence is dealt with is important because it'll empower you whenever you're dealing with these kinds of situations. So, um am I being detained is the biggest weapon you can use against anything, right? Yeah. The rest, the rest of your arguments are to be done by the lawyer you call after you find out that you're, that you've been detained. No, yeah. do not play lawyer on the side of a road. That's no. how people get shot. Yes. So 
just participate, cooperate within within the best of your abilities and stay as calm as possible. Even if you're not calm, never admit to not being calm. And there's a, there's a really good video. It's an American video, but it, it really applies to this. Uh, essentially, all you have to look up is uh, lawyers get arrested outside courthouse. <laughs> and it's the first video that comes up. There's, uh, there's the lawyer and then I think one of his uh, paralegals with him. Essentially what happened is uh, the lawyer was representing the client inside the courthouse. Uh, and then the client, uh, either the lawyer asked for the client's cell phones before they left the courthouse or the client gave them the cell phones either way he the the client didn't have the cell phones and that was very important yeah because uh, when the lawyers and the client left the law uh, the law's establishment sorry the courthouse <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh when they left the courthouse uh they were immediately uh, arrested and you know stopped and you know the, the way that lawyer reacted to that situation was actually really cool because he he, he was served uh the warrant for uh the search of his client, yeah, and uh, the cops then tried to search him because they—he's like, no, I have his cell phones. Like, okay, we'll turn him over. And he's like, whoa, 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 hold on, this warrant's not—it has says nothing to do with me. Yeah. You know, you have a warrant for him. You can search him all you want. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have his cell phones, and we saw you on camera pass him. Well, sorry, you didn't serve the warrant before that. Yeah. You know, so it's there in my possession. They arrested him. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously wow. he got acquitted and everything else. But uh, that video is just such a good uh, interaction between, you know, a police force that's legally overstepping and how to how to react to it. Because the guy stays calm. Uh, he follows their directions. And even when he gets arrested, he's like, hey, guys, no problem. Yep. Yeah. Here, go ahead. He's, we're going to spend all afternoon downtown. It's going to be great. Let's wait, have a fun wait. day. It's a fun time, right? Well, what, but, what you don't see. So there was, there was a similar case and interaction like that that yeah. happened at a Kelowna courthouse uh, about eight years ago, I think it was. And uh, and the the lawyer in question, it's always defense lawyers. If you ever want to know who's on your side, just look at who gets smeared like repeatedly in, in the news. It's always defense lawyers, as if criminals are these wealthy fucking people. They're, they, criminal, tax lawyers are criminals. Fucking, most criminal defense lawyers are working for, for not, I wouldn't say bottom of the barrel. They make decent money, but they work their ass off to do it. They have to go through legal aid processes all the time. Yeah. It is not an easy thing to do. And, uh, they're on your side. They know your rights. That, yeah. They are the people who are representing you. So, um, whenever you see officers harassing, it's never they're never harassing a crown prosecutor. Never, no, no, never. Prosecutors ever, and prosecutors and ever. police are so in bed together. Though. Yeah, and so, so we're, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. We're going to talk all about that. But but this this <laughs> it's a dirty, so, really, so this dirty lawyer, dirty relationship. So so this lawyer, um, I don't remember what the case was that he was actually defending in court, but he goes outside of the court and an officer. Oh, um. The, the lawyer had lost his case. Yeah. And so uh, the lawyer needed to make sure that his, his uh, client was brought back to his house to collect his belongings before he was uh, brought back to the station and, uh, and processed. So he approached the officer and he said, hey, I need my client to uh, be brought back to his house because the officers have to legally do this. And, um, and the officer says, you don't tell me what to do. And he goes, well, I, I, I need this. And your job is to do this, so do it. And the officer said, you don't tell me what to do. Oh and God. and got all into his face. And he goes, uh, "You're." it looks like you're now in, trying to intimidate me and harassing me. And the officer said, you want to know what uh, intimidation would be? You would know if I was assaulting you. 
and Ooh. the the lawyer uh. goes <laughs> you can't be threatening this is in a courthouse mind you right? yeah you, you shouldn't be threatening like uh, you shouldn't be threatening me like this what the fuck are you doing and then the officer then arrests him on the spot <laughs> and the lawyer says fuck you yeah fuck you do your job what is going on so that's the interaction yeah now what you, nobody will see is what happens after the fact yeah so the officer tried to charge him on three different occasions with assault the crown would not approve the charges because there was no grounds to fucking do it right three different times he he arrested a lawyer in a courthouse outside of of the courtroom in front of his client for doing nothing and then tried to press charges on three different occasions so that's what happened now to know the difference between how the law society protects their images and how the rcmp protects theirs the RCMP officer was not reprimanded for anything. His name was never released, and he received absolutely no punishment for his actions. Do you know his name? I don't know his name. Damn. No. Um, well, we're calling people out today. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely there, there will be a handful of names for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but in this case, I don't. The lawyer, though, was fined $10,000 for saying fuck you to an officer. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, Give that's, me a break, man. Come on. So <laughs> this is... But that's the thing. The Law Society is very, very similar to the crown because, yeah. again, the law society represents both sides, but which one makes the money? Which yeah. one gets all the taxpayer dollars? It's definitely not the fucking defense lawyer. So the defense lawyers almost exclusively are the ones that are held to higher standards from the LSB, or from I the law no societies. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. So you'll get financial lawyers and defense lawyers that are held accountable yeah. from the law society. Those are the two most common, and financial ones make sense. And it's almost always when someone's doing something janky within a state. Right, where they're like, "Oh, I'm just going to make myself the executor." You know what of I would have done if I was that guy declared if, incompetent. If I was that lawyer, <laughs> I just would have wrote that ten grand off as a bad debt. Yeah. You know, honestly, like <laughs> even if you get audited for that, like come on. Like, well, <laughs> well, here's the kicker: so he was also suspended for 15 days. And when oh you're my de- god! And when, and when you're Jesus. a de- yeah, so when you're a defense lawyer, you're a sole practitioner. You don't yeah. have like ninety percent of, yeah. uh, of defense lawyers aren't working in a giant criminal defense office because there's just no fucking money in it. No, <laughs> like there's I, no I, I don't up, upper moving of money at all. Right, yeah. it's an individual billing kind of business. Yeah, and yeah, so he <laughs> had to then put his clients to other competitors in the industry. Like it's that, just it's oh. absurd the standards to which because uh, yeah, usually these guys are pretty booked up like day after day. Oh, yeah. Like you take a guy off for fifteen days. You know, there's probably four or five clients at least that he's going to have to pass off. Oh, I would say probably closer to 30. No shit. Well, really? Because daily interactions, right? You yeah, got to imagine no like bail hearings are happening all the time uh, and, and, and are constantly being scheduled. And yeah. you've got things retroactively that so have already been scheduled. So you these guys are already overworked as it is, too. Oh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Wow. So yeah, I didn't know it was that much. That's, uh, yeah, wow. I thought like... If you, you're not working like 55 to 70 hour weeks as a criminal defense lawyer, you're probably not making very good money. Really? Yeah. Like yeah, after all work, that education, you know? Because dentists arguably go through the same amount of school, yeah. and you go into any dental office, especially a male-owned dental office, and there is literally only one male employee in that whole fucking place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone else is like in their twenties to late thirties. Yeah. There's a cutoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's thirty-five. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I, I, it's just anytime you go to the dentist, man, like. Y- y- Tell, tell me I'm not wrong. Like, no, it, it, it <laughs> makes perfect sense. I think yeah. the, fun, the funny thing is, is like, like, like m- he, movies don't always get a lot of things right, but most criminal defense <laughs> lawyers are grizzled, rough around the edges, exhausted, 
never have enough time for anything and are no, always that's, that's always crazy. a little bit angry i thought these and were I the guys that that's that, a right you know they'd be in the fucking golf course and just no. smoking cigars that's halfway crown. through the day and oh, that's crown that's that's crown or corporate lawyers okay okay yeah, yeah. yeah. Like no, if I you do corporate lawyers did oh, well yeah. no i thought defense lawyers well you can do well, well. there's yeah. no there, there's definitely times in which you can do a decent amount uh, yeah. uh like of billing and and don't get me wrong like i could make if if i were to 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 go through the articling process and i could i could bill for 1800 bucks in under 15 minutes mm. but yeah. but that's if the stars align mm-hmm. right because those cases don't pop up every yeah, day no, right and thing, so right? it's you have to go in every day not knowing what the hell you're doing pull clients off just random because they're being indicted for x y or z right yeah, yeah, yeah. and you might have 25 minutes to review their case before you go and argue it oh that's great yeah 25 whole minutes before you do the preliminary hearing yeah wow okay yeah yes. so you don't get a whole lot of time <laughs> like that's that's the I'm other just thing i'm gonna plan out the rest of this guy's life in 25 yeah. minutes well that's... but but crown prosecutors in this stage are also gruesomely overworked because they don't know fuck all either right oh like, wow well they'll come into a courtroom so the people defending 40 you cases get maybe 25 minutes to go over your case and the people prosecuting you get maybe oh, i don't know maybe a couple hours ahead of time <laughs> if they're lucky like the but that's only in the preliminary hearing yeah. if it actually goes to trial then you're gonna have way well, more fair time enough right? but your preliminary but, hear, hearing is generally where most people uh make the concessions or you know that's where the you know like oh okay well this ticket will only charge you this much well that's why Basically, you see so many deals done guilt, right, right? like yeah. that's that's all they're doing in the preliminary hearing yeah you well, know they offer you a lower ticket uh, basically, if you say yes, you just admit guilt. That's that's a trick they use quite often yep. to speed things along. But let, if you didn't break the law and you don't want to go through this, most people take that. You yep. know, it's like fuck. It's like, all right. Knock it down to fifty bucks. I'll pay it. Yeah. Just or for we can take two years of your time. Exactly. And uh, you might get off, but yeah. because you're taking two years of our time, we're going to definitely try and dig everything up on you. Oh yeah, for sure. And so they, yeah, they sure will. There's not a lot of winning in those circumstances. So you always, again, like, just let the lawyer do their job. Have yeah. a good lawyer. Don't, don't, like, ideally, you're not getting just assigned a, lo- a lawyer through legal aid. Yeah. I, I can understand if your financial situation puts you in such a position, but. No, just to, 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 to cap this part off, and then we're going to get into the more fun stuff. How much do you think the average person should have saved just, just as an in case of an interaction that's going to have to involve a lawyer? I think 5G's is just something you should always have set aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll, it's not necessarily going to be enough, but it will always be enough to retain them. Fair enough. Right. And at least get a hefty chunk because that's with a, with a half decent lawyer, you're probably getting about 30 hours of uh, 30, 30 some odd hours yeah, and uh, this obviously all hours depends on what they're trying to convict yeah, you for and everything else but like just as a normal person day to day you know oh i had a few extra beers at the bar or oh i sped a little bit on the way home or oh i was partying with my friends and that's why my you know well, it'll likely card. cost you like it'll cost <laughs> yeah. you more than the 5g yeah, don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong yeah. but that's a good that's good a, enough amount. to get you uh, like to retain counsel like well Fair you could enough. retain counsel for for 20 bucks but they, they're not going to do a whole, whole whole lot for you i see until they can make sure that they get finances but again the the it, and you might qualify for legal aid so if you don't have uh i mean very few people do you have to make under i think 20 24 grand to get fully covered it's the the legal aid system 24 grand yeah it's it's pretty pathetic it doesn't cover almost anyone so the, you make the, 25 the, uh yeah i guess <laughs> <laughs> the the legal like the the <laughs> The coverage for like the access to the courts, which is supposed to be like the people's enforcement of yeah. their rights, it's 
almost impossible to gain access to the courts no kidding yeah like you have to be financially bankrupt or or in the upper echelons of society so basically my books would have to look like trump's yeah well i mean if your books look like trump's you just what you need is the guy who keeps the books chained up in uh (laughs) in a safe somewhere no they brought them all out remember they had the whole table full of books (laughs) you didn't see that these are all the books we went through them there's no oh god there's no conflict of of interest oh yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) did anyone actually read those no we just put them out yeah Yeah. (laughs) that sounds about right anyway so i think to wrap that part up the the big like three things stay calm when you're interacting with the police officer Am I detained? Is a great question to have. Now, it doesn't mean question. that you're necessarily going to get an action. This is a lawyer's number, defense lawyer's number in your phone. Always. One, two, three. Always. Look through. And maybe maybe it's not even a defense lawyer. Maybe it's the, uh, um, a, some sort of uh, advocacy group. Yeah. That's fine. Right? Because there's like the Pivot Law Society in... Uh, in vancouver is one of the most active legal advocacy groups there is yeah that's why they have safe injection sites that's why the the homelessness camps were able to stay in uh, in in the lower mainland of bc is because that group has argued human rights cases on a level that most people just don't get the time for no so, shit. so yeah. yeah that they are a phenomenal organization uh pivot yeah. legal group but you know what guys if you're listening to this podcast open up your phone do five take the five minutes right now you're not doing much you, you set aside two hours to listen to this let's be yeah. honest like you, you, this is the fifth this is the fifth time you've done this put them on your put them <laughs> okay. in your phone yeah. under i fucked up yeah yeah right? and just, just yeah. searched it yeah you search that put when that, you put fucked that number up. in your phone yeah. yeah and just keep it there you know like it's not gonna hurt you it's yeah. just, it's, it's gonna take up maybe like less than a kilobyte of space it's not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin your phone just go on go online pause this pause this right now just do it just do it yeah have okay, welcome back. Okay, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing we that. We okay. those five minutes there. You're good. You're good. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> so the, the next thing I kind of want to go on about now, this is that you know I want to keep it kind of kind of pointed, yep. you know, because I, I find like when you talk to the high, highly intelligent, you know, whenever you like, for example, whenever you see Snowden get interviewed, like the, the guy has so much information about how your rights are being violated, it's it's scary. But like I find he just goes down the rabbit hole, yeah, and then you kind of lose that. It all goes over your head, right? That's why I'm trying to, you know, cut it here and say, okay, these are three points that you can use today, right now. And we just went through those. Now, the next thing I want to discuss is uh, police hiring and training. I know we touched on this. Yep. Uh, briefly in uh, one of our last podcasts yep. about kind of the feeding pools of uh, the policing. Uh, but uh, the, the one thing I, uh, that also really ties into these feeding pools is what they're training these police officers you know, after they've hired them, right? Now, I know uh, firsthand, you know, the RCMP's uh, recruitment process. Yep. Um, and I got to say, you know, it's uh, it, it could be better. You know, obviously, anything can have improvement uh, put into it. Uh, but, you know, it is quite rigorous um, for what it is. There's, uh, I think, 12 steps to it. Uh, it basically involves you showing up initially, uh, identifying the fact that you want to be a police officer. They give you this whole... Uh, you know, booklet to fill out about uh, basically all the questions they're going to ask you on the polygraph and, uh, you know, a few other personal information things. They get you to go talk to a doctor, do a health evaluation. They also do one as well. And then a site evaluation. Once that's all done. Oh, a hearing as well. Once that's all done, uh, they get you and they put you into basically what is an IQ test and a literacy test. Yeah. Uh, so you do those and then they have kind of a like third test, I think. Or it's part of one of the second tests 
uh, where it's uh, essentially like pictures and makes and models of cars, license plates, and it tests your memory. Right now, I, I, I passed all that. Uh, went on to the next step, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the uh, interview where you sit down face to face with an officer. It's called the star interview. Where you have your polygraph. Uh, that's the last part. Oh, okay. They do the. I didn't get to the, the polygraph. Face to face. When did when did you apply? Uh, this was back in 2012, 2011. Okay, because I think they removed face to face in 2015. They don't. Oh, actually I wasn't aware of that anymore. Okay, it's yeah, just no, polygraph. But, yeah, when I went through, they had the star interview, uh, which, to my understanding, I passed. I did the pair. I remember that. That's the fitness test. And then they do a final health assessment with, uh, you know, a psychiatrist and a doctor. And then they do the polygraph. But right before the polygraph, I was pulled aside and, you know, I was I was young. And they were like, look, you know, you're doing well, but we need to come back in a few years. It was a demographic thing, the yeah. hiring. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, um, when you look at that and you say, okay, you went through that whole process. You know, and that takes some time. Like, it isn't yep. day after day. Like, yep. you're going by their, their schedule. This is a government-funded oh, yeah. operation. There's a friend of mine going through right? it right yeah. now. Yeah, so it takes months. Yeah. This isn't something that takes days. Like, if it yeah. took a few days, I would be okay. I would have, yeah, no problem. I'll come back next year. But the thing is, like, they drag it all out. Yeah. And then it, it, at that point, I was, like, 19. You know, I had my, my girlfriend, my now wife. You know, mm-hmm. I had bills to pay, things piling up. I moved out when I was 18 or 17. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I couldn't afford to take another year. So it was just like, okay, fuck you. And I went into sales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had no looking back there. Yeah, good I thing mean, you did. At the end of the day, I yeah. think my skills are a little more, you know, geared towards this rather than I, I knowing myself better now, I don't think I could make that split second decision to kill somebody. Oh, and, that's, that's you know, and if insane, I did, right? it would, uh, it would weigh on me uh, to a point where I don't think I'd be, you know, very functioning as a uh, member of society. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, to go on to the train, this is kind of the point that I wanted to really bring up. It's going to tie into, you know, a lot of the darker stuff we're going to get into. On average, an RCMP officer or a police officer in North America, I think was the statistic I'm pulling from, gets eight hours of de-escalation training, verbal de-escalation training, which is basically what you're doing when you're selling cars. You get someone that comes in, they're 10 out of 10 hot, do not want to be dealing with you, do not want anything to do with you, and you're taking them from the lot in their car to inside, getting their information, calming them down, and then getting a sale, right? Now, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what you're doing as a police officer. You're selling the ticket when you pull someone over. Right, because a lot of the time, okay, yeah, that's a that's yeah. a weird way to look at but it. But that's that's, that's how yeah. I, that's how my brain looks at it, right? Like if yeah. I was a cop, I, I I'd want to do this as passive as possible, you yeah. know, and have the, the as little escalation as possible. But that's because I have ten years of sales ex- experience. I, I want to do as little as possible and achieve the maximum result. Which in that interaction would be me literally walking to the car, giving him a ticket, and walking back. Right, that's me doing my job, me issuing the ticket me going back to the vehicle right now at the end of the day if they only train you the the statistic i'm going on is they get eight hours of training on how to de-escalate a situation 129 hours in combat and firearms training so if you get a guy that's literally left a a situation where i think what is that? Five percent of your training is on how to effectively communicate and de-escalate. Yeah, that... and then the rest of your training is how to shoot, drive fast. Um, you know, take down, use handcuffs, use batons, use a taser, uh, use pepper spray, and all this other intermediate weapon training they do now. Okay, and then yeah, and you see 
more and more of that now. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, like that's true because that's 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 mostly what they've been exposed to. Right for the path of least resistance, any police interaction is most of them just boil down to a traffic safety act. Right here's your ticket. And it's selling that ticket. Well, you know, man, you're going 30 over. I wrote it for 20 over. Have a, you know, yeah. I know you need a break. Have a good day. That's how you sell a ticket. Yep. You know, but it, 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 why is it that they only get eight hours of training on how to do that, on how to deescalate shit, how, how to keep things calm and on the level, and then 129 hours on, like, I, I think uh, it would be like, well, I could I could Snowden this for you and tell you exactly why. Well, yeah, <laughs> but when the, it, it, when the fucking like... railroad was being built, the officers knew that they they so there were laws in place to prevent Indians from uh, I'm going to use the term Indian just because it's using the Indian Act from First sure, Nations sure. from displacing yeah. people from uh, displacing First Nations people off their land right okay. when they were trying to make way away for the railroad. But what officers did was they realized that the law was reactive and was super fucking slow. So that it was easier to force them off their land and reservations and then ask for, for forgiveness after the fact. Now, they didn't even care to really get too much forgiveness. There wasn't a whole lot of enforcement going yeah, on in favor of Yeah, but this was favorable. hundreds of years but th- ago. But this is what the... That, that's, that understanding is baked into the organization. They will always act with more force first and ask for forgiveness after the fact. That's just how they were built top down right and that's that's largely how government works in general it's right tradition right so yeah and once it's baked into a tradition it's just how uh, there's a lot of custom that's built in there but not only that de-escalation is a relatively new idea it's always been an us versus them when it comes to policing right and good guys versus bad guys and when you only see the world as black and white you're you're going to not see any value in de-escalating the situation because that person is an enemy why do you care about their safety, right? And this kind of goes to a point that that I find quite interesting, which is police don't don't need to protect you. Um, and by law, that's actually the case. I kind of was I was mentioning this off air earlier. Yeah, please bring that up right now. So yeah, so there was a case in 2005 stemming out of Colorado, um, which made its way all the way up to the Supreme Court, which more or less established the fact that police officers in the United States have no legal requirement to protect you. The protect and serve is mere marketing. Um, What happened in that case was absolutely atrocious. A woman who had a no contact order with her ex-husband begged, begged, begged police to intervene because the husband broke the no contact order and stole her three children. They refused to do anything. Can I pause you for case. half a second yep. here and ask? I, this is happening in the States. This, this is case. happening in the States. This is in Could Colorado. something similar like this happen in Canada? <sighs> I mean, I don't... The legal requirements to rescue... I mean, we all save, hope not, but... <laughs> so, legislatively, police are required to respond to emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I would hope not, Yeah, but... If we go through what the legal process would look like, let's so so I'm just going to finish the story quickly. So, yeah, please. Uh, yeah, so so sorry. they broke the no contact order. The husband stole her three children and the officers refused to help. He murdered all three children and she sued them for negligence in performing their duties. And the Supreme Court determined that they weren't negligent. They had no right requirement to protect them. They only have a requirement to protect people in their custody in Canada. How that would look, in my opinion, how I think that would look is um. I believe legislatively that they have a requirement to the re- to respond to to emergencies. How that can be interpreted uh, kind of varies 
person to person a lot of the time but 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 uh, yeah and that's that's one of the problem with legislation is it's it's all about interpretation right yeah yeah fair enough but let's say an officer refuses to help during an emergency and something bad happens and we try to sue to recover right suing the police is never never successful but here here's the absolute kicker at the end of it let's say you go through it all and you actually win right so let's put a name on it we're suing strathcona county police Right. We're going yeah. after for I, and this is random. I have no idea who the, anybody in the fucking Strathcona County Police. I'm just using a random example of someone near by. So let's say you're suing them. Um, you know who foots the bill? It doesn't come out of the police budget. It doesn't come out of the officer. Oh, don't say it, the taxpayers. It's the taxpayers oh, no. pay it through the municipality. Oh, oh you hate so that, no. don't you, Evan? So it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. They don't. There's no. There is no no punishment imposed. And this, but this this goes into how we view language when we talk about funding for police stuff versus funding for education, right? Like like last year when we had this massive defund the police movement that was going through is like largely out of the George Floyd incident. Yeah, but then. And it, it trickled into the United, into Canada, and we had a lot of calls for that. And I remember seeing the Edmonton Journal uh, put on uh, in their newspaper that Edmonton defunds police ten million dollars. And when you actually read the body of the fucking article, they were about to get an eighty-six million dollar increase to their budget, and instead got a seventy-six million dollar increase <laughs> to their budget. They didn't get defunded by shit. They got another seventy-six like million dollars e- added to their budget. You remember those uh, Herman the, the 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 little comics that used to be in the uh, <laughs> yeah. And there was there was one picture. It was like ten percent on sale, and then like the guys like standing there looking at the sign, and the other guys like, "Well, usually we're thirty percent, right?" So <laughs> it's just it's, it's just it's, absurdity. It's like, oh, we, we, that's, we that's pretty much ten, like. ten million dollars. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, you're given. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute here. Yeah, wait. but we call that defunding. Meanwhile, <laughs> we cut the budgets of teachers all the fucking time. Oh, They've God. never been defunded though, not once. You know, right? uh, because of inflation, teachers are actually losing money year over year. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they don't they don't give a fuck. I mean, it's not their voter base. Well, like, no, the, du- the dumber the people, the the less you know about your rights, the more they can abuse you. Yeah, so, but the less yeah. you're gonna make for taxes, fucking idiots. Whatever. But the just... more things that are automated, the less they give a fuck about the people <sighs> who, who are doing jobs. Can, yeah. Someone's got to build the robots guys one, one smart dude <laughs> <laughs> just build the robot to build the robots so oh, to, to tie this back to man. to tie this back to policing yeah um <laughs> you know the, the training is probably the, the biggest part of why we're getting so much police violence well think think and, about it in another way too like so not just training but legal education i think is a super important thing that's lacking in police officers because like i pointed out in the beginning point. there is that officers cannot find you guilty but they shouldn't even they they don't in a lot of cases don't have the requisite knowledge to even suspect you as guilty that's that's really the true thing like for me to get my law degree i had to have a four-year degree and then three years of law school and then if i wanted to practice law i had to spend a year as more or less and i'm going to use this word with a very firm tongue-in-cheek a slave to because you that you are written out of labor laws in canada <laughs> law students Arthur's, are not covered yeah. by by labor laws in canada so yeah. i could get 100 hour weeks at four dollars an hour they could refuse to pay me but because i need that license at the end of the tunnel i i would be forced into that situation now not every law student is like this not all articling students are like this they some some firms pay well a lot of them don't no. i had a friend who was working in a vancouver law firm for 11.50 an hour that's yeah horrible yeah I made more teaching. 60 hour weeks i made more teaching swimming 
Yeah. When I was in high school. This is a person with seven years of education, but they have to pay their fucking debt. I drove they, a Dodge Neon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're making more than that guy. That's yeah. sad. Yeah. That's well, sad, but this, this is what I mean, is it's pathetic, but... I, the education requirements for an officer. So you said there was 14 or, or 12 requirements. There's 14 requirements to be an officer. But this is like, you know, when you've seen a resume and the person has no work experience, but they have two pages. Oh, this, yeah. This is what this is. You have to be at least 18. You have okay. to speak one of Canada's languages. Ooh, okay. oh. What requirements? Uh, speak, have to yeah. be a Canadian citizen or. Okay. Does it or, just say speak or does it say to be literate? Proficient. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah. that's very ambiguous. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's move you on. have to have an un, uh, unrestricted driver's license. Oh, so a class is that a GDL or a class five? Class five, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. get get your class five. Okay. There you okay. Go. That's class not five. bad. So uh, you can do that yeah. on an automatic now. They, they yeah. don't make you drive a manual. A high school diploma or equivalent. Okay. Okay. So it, uh, you could get it. You could get in with a GED. Pretty and much. If you, everyone, if you don't yeah. know what GED stands for, you probably have one. There you go. <laughs> uh, Four. The next four are all physical and mental related, so they're all just not be like blubber. So you have you have to be able you have to be able to see, hear, move, and think. Okay. If you can do those things so far, you're moving on. Well, the, the, the okay. moving aspect of that probably guts a lot of the fatties. Hundred percent. But here's the thing: like as far as an empath empath goes, like if you're in a car with a fat guy and he's your partner, he's probably not going to want to get up and run and chase people and punch people and do all this. Like he's not gonna have I back. find fat people to be a little more pacifist than you know the the more athletic types. Yeah. And you know maybe it might be a good thing to let a few fatties into the the police office because like for one. Not like a bad if, idea, for example, if, if I was your partner and you were like that guy, and I, let, let's stop him. He kind of looks like you know the guy that's on the radio. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Let's he's just, all the way over there. Let's roll down the window and ask him. Like, like <laughs> let's not get out and be all yeah. aggressive. Like, let's just who likes that? You know, like <laughs> let's slow it down. I a feel bit, like that's you know? like a fat guy or a stoner. Which a lot, there's a lot of overlap in that community. Yeah. But, oh yeah, that's hundred uh, percent. That's, yeah. that's, that's that's my Venn diagram, man. Like, but, <laughs> but then listen to the wording in some of these things. So be willing to relocate anywhere within Canada. Okay. okay. Be willing to work shift work. Okay. Now, okay. yeah. be aware of tattoo and jewelry requirements. Be it aware doesn't, of doesn't stuff. Tell of you can you can click on it. It'll tell you what those requirements are. So you have a split tongue and be a police officer. The, ooh, I don't know. Ooh. I've never <laughs> it, actually it looked say into piercing. It. it doesn't say anything about mutilation. Jewelry you know? and like, personal effects. So it could be. I don't know if that's a personal. It's not effect. a personal effect. That's a spliced tongue would be a very weird pullover for a car. That would be pretty cool. Just, though. just tell them it's, <laughs> it's genetic. I didn't do this. Yeah. I grew up like anyway, this. I'm just I'm being a troll. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Um, and then you've got be prepared to carry a firearm and to use it uh, or any other necessary physical force. Okay. So there's almost a written requirement of be slightly more inclined to violence than a normal person. Yeah. Um, and then be willing to spend 26 weeks, so six months, in Saskatchewan, in Regina. Yeah. That right there, I think, is what prevents most people from wanting to go there. <laughs> they also... Six they, they months in Regina. I think they only pay you something like 500 bucks, so, like, a, a month while you're there. Like, Ooh, uh, like a lot... Like, I, I, I remember more it was, than that. It, no, I remember it was, like, super low, because well, payday they, they, argue, hired, they argue, we're feeding you, we're clothing you, we're training you, oh, okay. uh, and then they just kind of give you that, but the problem is, if you have a mortgage, yeah. and you're the breadwinner for your family, usually 
basically because you're educated and you had a job and you tried to get into this, you have to take six months making 500 bucks a month. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. It might be 500 bucks a week, but even then that's still only that's two still grand a month. Grand. Yeah. And like, that's, that's not even the mortgage. Yeah. Right. Like if you think about it, I mean, well. It's just ridiculous. Well, but this but, is what they want, right? Like, yeah. what you look to his standards to see so what the organization. So you're looking wants. for young people that can young, young yeah. and uh, and barely educated. People, yeah, right. That's what they want. Who Isn't are willing that kind to of use similar force. to well, educated, educated yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of why, like, uh, when we were chatting about the feeding pools here, uh, you know, you're not going to get somebody with a resume in another industry coming no. into that industry. Uh, I mean, the only way I could foresee being a police officer now is if my wife knocked off and I got her benefit and I could literally get, you know, afford to move. That's yeah. the only way I, and I wouldn't, I just wouldn't, I don't want to be a cop. But at the end of the day, like, that's the only way you're really going to get somebody from another industry yep. other than, you know, athletes that couldn't make it in the game yeah. and the show. And then, uh, you know, former military that, you know, had enough for, you know, just did their tour. They've got their pension. They want that pension to continue. Right. Yep. So like, if if you're a former athlete, there's a very strong chance you are either working in construction as a police officer or as a firefighter. Those are or like, EMT or yeah. EMT. Well, EMT a little bit less, but yeah, the, yeah. I find that the, there's the more physical aspects when it comes to the fire hall. Like fire halls are probably the most toxic workplaces I've ever seen. Like I have a lot <laughs> of friends because I played very high level hockey. I have a lot of friends that were very high level hockey players that became uh, firefighters. I've played in the police and fire games with them. Um, kind of one of the perks of being a goalie is you're in demand. Yeah, fair <laughs> and, enough. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, they they would tell me stories proudly of walking around the fire station naked because they have one girl uh, or one woman stationed with them, and they want to make her uncomfortable. That's uh, oh yeah, yeah. So that's like straight up shit that they would brag <laughs> about. And uh, one one of the downsides of being that, a goalie that, is yeah. you're much smaller than the rest of the guys, so you don't really feel it's like being a kicker to, in football. You're yeah, like, you're like that, you're, you have the European last name. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah. don't, don't hit that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a soccer player. He's just wearing <laughs> shoulder pads. Leave him alone. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, goalie, no upper body. I don't want to push that around while I'm sliding around. So yep. yeah, but uh, so yeah, not a lot of empowerment to talk out against, against those guys. But those are typically the feeding pools that you get, right? Yeah. yeah. And so officers uh, are so, largely picked out of these pools. And now we can combine that with literally uh 129 hours of you know combat training yep. and then eight hours of this is how to actually talk to people yeah so if that and if Maybe that's the, the environment in a fire hall how is that environment around like police stations well, and having been right? on a few ride-alongs personally yeah uh you know it's it's i i got nothing bad to say about the police i yeah. haven't had a bad interaction with them but i attribute a lot of that to the fact i have a white penis so yeah. you know if you tie <laughs> that i mean when i went on I, i've been on a few ride-alongs one in edmonton uh with the uh squad four downtown um that one night was enough for me to say I probably don't want to be a police officer. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the police officers. It was what they dealt with and how they were treated. And I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. so... Fair enough. And, you know, the the the, the lady I was with, uh, it was actually a female cop I was doing the ride along with. Uh, she was she was awesome. Yeah. You know, she was like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little hard when you start on the force because you get all this power. I mean, you get a gun and, you know, a car and everything else. But she really, like, her whole ideology was just, just take your time when you're going on these calls yeah because if you'd go in 
uh, like, you know, the Wild West cowboy. Try to be a hero. You know, uh, it's going to get you into more problems. Yeah. And, you know, she was really level-headed, and I, I had a lot of respect for her. Yeah. And, you know, that night went on, and, you know, we uh, we put a uh, half-naked lady in the back of the car because she was drunk out of her mind hmm. uh, somewhere on downtown Edmonton. And the whole back of the car smelled like fish for the rest of the ride along, which kind of killed oh, it. Oh, nice. Uh, then we investigated a stabbing. Uh, literally, a guy got stabbed by his... Uh, by his girlfriend and uh we went into the place uh, where the stabbing occurred to see if the girlfriend was still there and um you know to to be fair i don't know if they really did that legally you know when they went uh you know looking back at it now they didn't really have a warrant and uh, the guy was already in the hospital so i don't know how they really had the legal right to go in his apartment and search i mean maybe he gave consent well yeah because it's his property if he gave consent then but i don't i I wasn't there to hear the consent but who who knows whatever i'm not i'm not getting into that i'm just saying like these are some of the loopholes that a lot of these cops use and a lot of it is to do with entering your property yeah especially like that's 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 what i want to touch on next here yeah uh, is when like search is and you know the, the, their legal ability to enter your property they need a warrant yeah. uh, they need they need need a warrant but anyway we, we searched the property found the knife this guy got stabbed with bagged it L- the chick wasn't there anymore and then there was this other lady we picked up uh, and she was sitting right beside me in the back of the cop car and when they brought her back she we pulled her over on a DUI uh, they pulled her rap sheet and she she was wanted for manslaughter in like the oh 90s and a whole bunch of other shit and this chick was sitting right beside me like just drunk having a great night like oh we just had a few too many fish balls hey eh? you know like you just yeah. oh we're just oh you got caught and then you're like oh, okay and i'm just sitting Ugh. there like i was 18 or 19 at the time just yeah. like terrified the whole back seat still smelled like fish this lady's sitting yeah. beside me talking about like her whole life and then like yeah we uh we pull her rap sheet and then find out she has all these priors and uh, they arrested her but uh, the other couple ride-alongs that went on were in st albert which was a little more you know yeah tame <laughs> a yeah, little more uh, slow so. a lot that was a lot of that was a little more traffic yeah. uh, like pulling people over but i i, I was really fortunate uh, again uh the second time i went on uh ride along was with a guy named constable laflamme in st albert and I'll, I'll name him because he, he he was awesome. Like, uh, uh, you know, he obviously his job's not great. He's he has a quota he needs to hit, and everybody. And this is kind of the interactions inside the uh, police hall. Okay, uh, yeah. a lot of the guys looked down on him because he was a traffic. Because uh, you get a designation as traffic, yeah, traffic constable, and you you get a budget, and none of the cops like you because you're the guy chopping all the tickets, yeah. kind of giving the whole police hall a bad name. Yeah, because you're pissing off the population to make budget. Really, is what which you're is doing. also it's like that. That is not. That should not be a mandate by any stretch of the imagination. No, the police shouldn't be in no. charge. Like, they, they, no. they, they, they shouldn't be at the end of the month sitting down and saying we should have wrote more tickets. Yeah. If if that's the case, you're you, doing your you, job. You, you know, you're you're not paying your police force enough. Well, you know, we already be it, know that be it they through are. taxes. Well, yeah, but if if at the end of the day your your budget's attributed to how many tickets you wrote, you're, you're not. Well, they got to they got to pay back that yeah. seventy six million dollar increase to their budget. I was just going to say they got defunded right? ten mil. Yeah, <laughs> well, so it's like that, but but that's. But yeah, yeah, like it was, it was kind of funny because you saw like more of the older guys that were doing some of the other investigations that weren't really taking enough on their plate. Yeah. And they were kind of like, you could see the cops kind of talking about them behind their back. Like this guy's not pulling his weight, you know, like he's, but he's, he's dealing with a, this and this. But that's a culture like and that then, guy, uh, that old guy should be respected, but that culture is encouraged when tickets are being chased. And so other people have to pick up the slack. That's exactly There should it. be no picking up the slack 
for criminals, yeah. like for, 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 for any kind of criminal investigation, there should be no slack, yeah. right? The reality is, is that the goal should be to, to, to deal with the issues at hand. You shouldn't be trying to find issues. Yeah. That's not your job, right? And I think that that's also been lost when, when we've included them in collecting budgets, right? I think that that's a, a huge issue when you're trying to make profit off of your police agency. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like the privatization of prisons in the United States. It's created this crazy situation in which, uh, in some states, the states are contracted to the to the jail system, to, to a specific prison that requires a, a minimum amount of inmates. Yeah. So they have a minimum inmate requirement that the, the state then has to hit, which means that their cops have to arrest a certain amount of people for criminal things that they can then put them in prison for in order to hit their quotas of prisoners. Yeah. Like, talk about the most fucked up way of running the legal system it's the it's backwards yeah like no. hey guys we need fifty thousand criminals what law should we write to get as many to get those fifty thousand like that's it's in it's inverted entirely yeah so i think but that's in terms more of, i think that's more american yeah that's Canadian. way more american uh, you know I, they, they have 25 percent of the entire world's population of incarcerated people in America, yeah. Well, the I mean, United States doesn't lead in a whole heck of a lot, but yeah. In, I mean, I I, I don't really want to get into. Like, I'll use American stuff as example, but the, their whole system's completely fucked. I yep. mean, like compared to, well, that's kind of where ours is headed, and that's you know why I wanted to maybe bring up a few of these other stories here. But yep. like just to kind of wrap up the training in the pools. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so I've actually, I want to put at the outset, because I'm yes, going to, I sound like I'm coming off as negative. I think 95% or if not more of officers are very, very good people. And I was just going to agree that. with that. Yeah, yeah right? it's, exactly. I would say that what I have a problem with is when a fellow officer does something wrong, when one of those 5% do something wrong, I yeah. would say only about 10 to 20% of officers respond properly to that. And that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's that 5% and it's because they're unionized. I hate saying it in a lot of ways. Uh, they so they defend it, yeah. uh, this 5% uh, of, you know, as Trump would like to call them, bad apples. But they would be but, almost de facto unionized just by being an extension of the government in the sense that the government would ha- would would take their backs rather than having a union which looks more like yeah. a third party. What the government like doesn't want to do more it directly. Of, though, what I'd like to see more of, though, is police coming out against other police. Yeah, that would be you amazing. Know? But then and those police get blackballed that's more exactly than anything, it. right? And that's the biggest issue that you find with that is that those police aren't supported and it's and it's top down. And, and how that works, by the way, if you're a listener, if if you're a police officer and you come out against one of your uh, comrades or brothers yeah. or sisters, uh, let's say, you know, you're working, a, you know, four on four off. Yeah. Right. You're, you're four on, you're doing your days, then you have four off, then you're on nights. Or uh, there might be another intermediate time. But usually they're doing 12-hour shifts, yep. right? So it's 7 to 7 or 7 to 7, right? So uh, mm-hmm. let's say you do your first on, you're doing your days, and then something happens during one of your day shifts. During your four off, you go to the uh, internal board and report it. You know, by the time you're on nights, everybody in the office is going to know what you reported. As yep. they're, they're a fraternity. I but mean, it's, they, I would say it's actually it's less about what's happening in the office. I, I would like to think because of what I believe to be a high percentage of very good people in policing yeah. that it's actually what you don't see is the legal ramifications of an officer coming out against an officer. So let's say we're going to we're going to bring up a case of of a Calgary police officer a little bit later. But let's yeah. just say in the case of uh, of of any police station that someone comes out against a police officer who's like a, a 15 year vet of the force. Yeah. Right. What happens is I would think that the pressure would actually come from crown 
Really? In my, in my opinion, yeah. because the, the person with the most to lose is the Crown Prosecutor and their office, because every single case that was then handled by that officer mm. is then going to be questioned by the defendants who are in jail because of that. No kidding. So, well, of course, right? Yeah, like if, if somebody comes Make, out yeah. with like, oh, yeah, this this guy's been abusing this. Or... And then there were like, let's say there were accusations in six of the uh, of, of yeah. cases in the past. They're going to go, shit, there's credibility to those accus- accusations yeah. now. Right. And so... It fucks the officer coming out because now they're going to be called in as a witness for to, to substantiate all of those accusations, which they're not going to want to do because yeah. now they're becoming a public figure going against policing. And that's right? the thing, right? Like if uh, if you're a police officer coming out against other police officers. Oh, yeah. And remember who's footing the bill the entire time police Us. officers are going yeah. against police officers and and crown prosecutors are denying it. All of this is taxpayer dollars. Again, yeah. all of this gets funded by, through horseshit fucking handouts to a legal system that's been completely busted. So, but, yeah, no, I mean, like to keep it on the training and the feeding pools, yeah. I, I think that's that we kind of talk that to death by now. I yeah. mean, uh, just to kind of move on, I guess the next thing I'd like to really discuss is just some some examples of yep. what what happens when so the I'll, worst I'll, I'll, I'll oh, yeah, start with the juicy really... stuff and let's get into the juicy <laughs> stuff. You've been sitting, you've been waiting. You put you put your lawyer's number in your phone. You're, you're waiting for all this dirt. Here it is. Here it is, folks. Okay. Right. Now, like I said, I mean, we all respect police here. Yep. We At do. the end of the day, um, we're, we're not here to really put. A whole disparaging comment on police as a whole it like like i said there's some systemic issues with how policing works in this country yeah and that's all we're really going to be pointing out is some case examples of where the system failed and possibly how we might be able to fix it in a legal way yep. uh, with the system we have because in a lot of ways we like to talk high level on this show on what could be and you know what what would be the best way that you know the tax system would work if we did this and this with this situation there's not a lot we can do to change there's a lot of nuances we don't have a lot of power but exactly we we do your power comes from knowing what your rights are and knowing how to respond in certain very complicated scenarios that can be very heated that they can be very personal and you have to be you have to be willing to take a deep breath and actually pull yourself out of the situation there's no room for a hero in interactions with a police officer uh and I think that that's the most important thing. But I, I so I want I also want to make sure that when we're going through this, we're also telling you what the how the legal system contributes to a lot of this because that's why I'm bringing up how the crown will respond in those situations. And I think that one of the the more interesting ones. So I'm going to use a case from I lived in Kamloops for three years. Um, oh, I wanted to hear this. And just uh, so this is this is probably not the one that you're thinking of right off the bat. But there's a while I was there, I I, I was. I was in law school and I decided that I would take it upon myself to read up on, you know, some of the local officers, just grab the local reg and, and, you know, do some sleuthing and just be a, be a little bit of a, of the weird person that I am. So, um, one of the things that stuck out was there is this, uh, this officer, um, her last name is love. She has since resigned. So this is not to tarnish her reputation. I don't know her personally. I don't know any of the personal issues with this. To me, this is a, uh, this story is strictly to prove how the legal system, um, caters to officers more than it does people. So, um, officer love, uh, the way that the story was written in a very sympathetic light was that she had lost her father two years prior uh, prior to the incidents at hand, um, but she was going through some mild depression, staying on the whole time, never actually took any time off, um, and then... Was that known by the the 
by the station yeah uh that i'm not sure so this was just stuff that they put forth in her defense um so what happened was uh she was caught not once but twice um getting cocaine buying cocaine and then giving it to her friend with her and they used it together so this is in the height of the fentanyl uh uh, crisis too so this is i think in 2014-15 and um again the circumstances around it might be muddy and i i I don't want to tarnish this person's reputation i don't think that she's necessarily a bad person i think the legal system needs to deal with people people have substance abuse issues uh no matter your walk of life so i'm not going to hold anything against her on this case but what happened was um they they allow this sympathetic narrative to dominate their decision making when it comes to sentencing and so we have somebody who's wearing a badge who's an officer of the law who is involved in trafficking and narcotics during the height of the opioid uh, epidemic. And she was given what's called a conditional sentence. A conditional sentence means that depending on the time for hers, it was one year. um, There are going to be certain things that you cannot do. And as long as you do not do those things at the end of that one year sentence, your permanent record is expunged. Okay. And that's pretty cushy. Yeah. For someone who got, was it was possession and potential that like if if you were any other lay person you yeah. would have been charged with trafficking because yeah. you 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 were the purchaser and you gave it to your friend also um, yeah possession possession definitely right yeah. and and on multiple counts right so she gets paid leave for a year which we uh, during for. during her conditional sentence and then retires at the end of her paid leave so that she can't get actually uh punished further by the police board now the fact that she stepped down good she knew that she shouldn't stay there and and she actually, I think, by virtue of doing that, I, there might have been culture within the police thing saying, like, we're not going to let you back kind of thing and just do this and keep your honor. Yeah. But but either way, I, I actually would I appreciate that because she is not someone who needs to be in position of power. So but the legal it? system's response was yeah. wrong, right? Because if you or I got caught twice uh, buying Coke and... and oh, even and, just and, with and, Coke. Yeah. There I mean, is no like, world where we're, we're handed a conditional sentence. And you're not getting paid for a year... Yeah. You know, you're going to jail. Yeah. You're losing your job. So you're getting a criminal record. You're going to have a fucking hard time getting a job after that. Yep. But it's like, uh, it, 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 she, she got a pension now, you know? Uh, so how, how did that work? I don't know if when she resigned, she still qualifies for pension. I'm not sure how that works. Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Given what we did with her governor general, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, there's a very strong chance she did, but uh, but yeah, my my complaint in this case again, I don't know enough about her substance use background or anything like that to criticize her as a person, but I have a huge issue with the legal system treating people different than they treat officers. Then they treat politicians, police officers, and lawyers are given a pass where, and I would say celebrities as well in a large part, yeah. where where the rest of us aren't, and the rule of law which for those of you who have heard that term but don't know what it means, it means that nobody is above the law. Yeah. Right? And that just Except is, Batman. Yes, except for Batman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's in the shadows of the law. <coughs> um, but yeah, so he, it, it's uh, it's just one of those things that's obviously a farce now. Yeah. And it sucks, but, but yeah. Well, I mean, just with all the cases we're going to be bringing up today, just talking about, I mean, you can kind of see that there's two sets of laws. Yeah. You know, there, there's the laws that, you know, people like, you know, us 
have to follow. And then there's the laws that the police and the ultra wealthy get to follow. Well, and we've I, touched on the ultra wealthy yeah. quite a bit already in this podcast. And I want to keep this more on policing, but uh, to, to give you another case example of, you know, even when police try to police police, I, I sent this video to you guys. Now, granted, this is an American police force, but it was the uh, uh, Rio, um, which which police? Uh, just, Hopefully not Reno 911. No, no, no. It was uh, the, the video I sent <laughs> yeah. you guys about uh, the, the sheriff that got arrested. Oh, by yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. So essentially what happened in this case, and this is like, I really want to bring this up. It was Rio Arriba, if I'm not mistaken, down in the States. The sheriff of this police force um uh basically just showed up at this trailer park uh well the uh el paso police if i'm not mistaken uh were already investigating uh a crime right they were trying to get this guy out of his trailer he was drunk or whatever there was some issue going on they don't really get into that but essentially this sheriff shows up now down in the state sheriffs in a lot of ways are uh different uh than police police agencies sheriffs are elected um, and sometimes appointed in a lot of states, uh, whereas, uh, you know, police forces generally, you have to go through a hiring process. A sheriff's just an elected, uh, body. Side, <laughs> side note, that's what made the movie Walking Tall so fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, a rock getting elected and then just beating everybody with a two by four. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, like, it, it doesn't matter what you did in your past life. If you're elected as the sheriff, you're now the legal body in that state, uh, for that part of your jurisdiction, the jurisdiction they gave you. Yeah. You're the sheriff. You're the boss. So essentially, the sheriff shows up in this uh, trailer park drunk, like Jim oh Leahy. Oh, my God. Like, he looks just like Jim Leahy, and he's yeah. got this cell phone out, and he's trying to call the guy that uh, the police are trying to arrest, the other police force is trying to arrest. And one of the officers you can see in the video, and, you know, I, I, I'll happily put a link in whatever description if you want to see it. You can also just look up a re, uh, sh- uh, Rio Ariba uh, Sheriff, and it'll, it'll come up. Yeah. It'll be one of the first videos. But the police force that was there investigating initially uh, noticed this guy was drunk and said, this guy's thrown his weight around already. We need a superior down here. And then it cuts to the next day. Where uh, this police force then goes to the sheriff's office with a warrant to get this guy's cell phones because they thought it was awfully suspicious that this guy they were investigating was getting called from the sheriff. So they had reasonable ground to seize his cell phone and the contents on it, which they later got. Um, But anyway, this police uh, force shows up at the sheriff's office with a warrant sees the sheriff, and this is all on video too, like you can yeah. see this in the video, they literally present the warrant to this sheriff for the cell phones. On video, he literally takes both cell phones out of his pocket, hands them to his deputy, and says, give me a few minutes, this uh, this warrant was signed by a wrong judge, this jurisdiction, da 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 tries that bullshit. Yeah. Now, anywhere else on the world, if you're served a warrant and you f- start to refuse it, you're immediately under arrest. Yep. Uh, that's that's just how it works. Yep. But you, you got to look at the situation too. Everybody's got a gun in that building. You really don't want to be the aggressor in that situation. Oh God, yeah. Uh, you know, like think about it. I mean, like especially got... when you only have eight eight hours of training on how to de-escalate. <laughs> yeah, it. you're like, oh God, <laughs> you really don't know what to do, right? So, and it's kind of funny. It shows. It shows exactly that. Yeah. These guys have no training on how to properly communicate. It's all violence. So yeah. you can see right away the sheriff's deputies start to defend the sheriff. And basically say fuck you to the law, which is what they're there to provide, right? right? So they, they present him the warrant. He gives the cell phones to his deputy. Then he starts claiming, well, these aren't in my possession. 
the warrant was only for what was in my possession. Basically tries doing what you know yeah. we were talking about with that lawyer. Yeah. But the yeah, problem yeah. is the warrant was already served. Yeah. And then the police officer tries to explain that, and then the chief of that police uh, branch shows up as well, or one of the deputy chiefs. And basically says exactly what the cops been saying, like, no, you've been served a legal order. You need to give us the cell phones. And they basically barricade the doors. The, the sheriff tries to get out. Uh, there was a, a, a hand on hand engagement that kind of happened between oh one of these uh, police officers and one of these deputies. And the potential of violence was really there. So they basically they finally got the cell phones. At least the cell phones that the sheriff gave yeah. them yeah. took them back. And the, the sheriff was uh, even said, okay, well, you only got a warrant for the cell phones. You better get a warrant for the content. And the guy's like, sure, we'll do that. No problem. Got the cell phones fucked off. Next day, you know, they're going through these cell phones because they get a warrant for the content. They yep. discover that he even gave the wrong cell phones. Yep. So they go back and they arrest the guy. And again, like the sheriff's deputies are protecting the sheriff they're not upholding yeah. the law and this is exactly like this is a case in point example of exactly what we're talking about like there's two sets of laws one for police and one for people well and, and like we uh, don't have those culture clash because we don't have a jurisdictional battle oh like, we do well we do have some jurisdictional battles it's much more common uh well I, it's it's pretty uncommon in canada i would it say is. compared to the united states it is. where you have but so, like, like literally that's like super troopers the only thing that video was missing was the maple syrup chug <laughs> like let's be honest like you watch that video and yeah. you know you see these two police forces that are literally both there to support the law one's not upholding the law one's trying and just yeah. the, it, just watch the video it's it's <laughs> it's it's funny and you know i just kind of want to start with something a little light before we get into more of the uh the, the darkness but like just to kind of start this conversation like how is this allowed? Well, it's part of the culture. It's also just part of this weird thing of putting people above the law. Like, have, have either of you boys ever been fired from a job? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. At yeah. least 10. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Were you ever let go during your probationary period? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, like, way easier, right? Like, it would be way more common. Oh yeah, yeah, for, yeah, sure. yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like at, at the end of the day, like you, in Alberta, uh, anyway, you get three months probation where they can literally fire you for whatever reason they want. Yeah. Now, once you pass that, that's when your rights start to really start. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, definitely been uh, been launched from a few places. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, who hasn't in their right? generation yeah. really? Surpri surprisingly, I haven't been fired. I uh, got into a conflict with one guy and quit, but uh, I probably would have been fired had I showed up the next day. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, just, yeah. 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 Uh, it was a fun little man syndrome. Didn't want me to take a piss while we were uh, <laughs> excavating a yard. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, um, I, I'm going to bring it right to the darkness and I'll bring it to the, the one in Kamloops that I know you want me to talk about. So... This is a case that's super, super tough to talk about. I'm going to name the name of the officer, which is probably not the smartest thing in the world. But I do think that people, especially if there's anyone listening in Kamloops, they need to be made aware of this person because they are a danger to the public most often. Uh, most, still most likely. And you know what? Yeah, if, uh, if a pedophile right. or a sexual criminal moved into your neighborhood, they'd issue a warning. Yeah. And, and if we you don't didn't get warnings. Get that, you would on, be... Yeah. We don't get warnings on violent police. No. So this is why it's important to name names. And I'm happy we're doing it today. Yeah. So. One of the reasons I asked if you've ever been fired is uh, it's kind of pertinent to this and the idea of a probationary period. So um, this is a case coming out of BC. Uh, the only reason I brought up Kamloops is because that's where the officer is now stationed. Um, so 2005 in Houston, BC. Houston, BC is a small town, northern town, mostly First Nations people. Uh, they have a junior B hockey team. Um, 
fans were at the game and during the first intermission uh guys outside with a couple of friends and he's having a beer uh officer shows up um and he he tells them that you can't have open alcohol in public uh asks them to provide their names and uh and lets them on their way so no no major issue there um second intermission rolls around uh same group of guys outside again uh, this time, the officer um, asked for their identification, and in doing in so doing, finds out that a young gentleman, twenty two year old Ian Bush, had provided the wrong name. So he uh, previously on his yeah first on, the, on the first one yeah. gotcha. So um, so he's like, "What's your name, John Smith?" Yeah, and then the second time he gives him his ID, he's like, "Oh no, this is- you lied about your name, yeah. which means you were interfering with yeah." So yeah. kind of back to our first points: always be uh, answer yes. the questions first and deal with the shit later. Because now. Um, so Ian got arrested, right? Um, which is probably overkill for the situation. Not all officers would do this, but, uh, officer in question was, uh, only two months on, on, on duty. And this Um, is an RCMP officer. This is an RCMP officer. Fresh out of depot. Yep. Uh, two months and he's been stationed up North. This is a white male, uh, who's been stationed to a small, uh, Primarily First Nations community. Understood. Yeah. Which is where a lot of the postings will be for RCMP. Yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because they, they, they get stationed in a lot of uh, rural areas. Yes. So um, Ian gets driven back to the police station. I'm going to go back and forth between the newspaper accounts as well as the officer's first person accounts. So um, they go back to the police station. Now, the facts on the record show that the cameras at the police station were off. The only people present at the police station were the officer in question, which at this point in time was, uh, Mr. Paul Coster of the RCMP, mm-hmm. uh, and Ian Bush, a 22 year old, uh, first nations male. Uh, and was he under the influence? Was uh, he... oh yeah, he was definitely under the influence okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, so cameras are off and those are the only two people present at the station. So that's, sure. so that's an issue right at the outset. Um, Paul Coster's account of the situation is that, um, during a conversation, things got heated and Ian became aggressive in which, at which point he attempted to strangle, um, Paul Coster. He got on top of him on the ground, uh, had his hands over his throat and was choking him. And Paul fearing for his life, grabbed his revolver and shot him. That's now Ian, uh, it would have been a M and P, uh, or Smith yeah, not his revolver. Sorry. Yeah. They haven't used revolvers. Yeah. In long, ages. long time. Sorry. Yeah. Got, got his gun though. And, and, uh, and shot him yeah. in the head, uh, killing him instantly. So, um, a lot of questions there. Like, yeah. So generally when you're detained in the police office, uh, they pull you into a garage usually located behind the, uh, behind the building. Right. Yep. And then they shut the garage. So you have no where to go other than, you know, the garage, and then there'll usually be another door where they'll take you into processing and then, yep. you know, Stick put you in into, a room. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the, generally, like how, how a lot of police buildings are laid out, and I just want to stop you here right now just to explain that, you know, because if you're hearing this, it just sounds like, oh, there was a fight that broke out. The problem is with that is this guy was handcuffed in the back of the vehicle with his, likely his hands behind his back. Yep. Cause that's generally the, the your training, this guy just being out of training. That's how it would have been. Yep. Uh, he, t- he would have had to remove him from that vehicle, uh, generally assisted. Cause it's hard to get out of a vehicle with your hands behind yep. your back, especially as a big guy like me. Like that's just, <laughs> I'm going to need help. Yep. Um, now back in Oh five, it probably was a crown Victoria. He was getting out of, Most likely. uh, so, you know, and then you're standing there having a conversation with somebody with either the door shut or the door open doesn't really matter, but this guy's got his hands most likely behind restrained his behind his yeah. back. And that's a that's a how do you get from there to choking somebody? And then from being <clears throat> choked, how does the bullet end up in the back of their head? 
rather than so here's here's where things <laughs> get that, that's why paul coster's account was very interesting right yeah. so i'm gonna step back for a half second and say if at the end if if i'm running an organization and someone i have who's on probation is involved in something questionable yeah i don't care about the facts i terminate them because i can legally and i have no requirement to keep them on there because that's so extreme like that's a literal like th- there's a death at the hands of someone on for two months. Fair enough. In a station with the cameras off and a lot of suspicious stuff going on. Fair so enough. So I think that 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 needs to po- be pointed out immediately. Yeah. So what's interesting is um and and deeply saddening is just how long the process takes. But also quite important to point out is in 2005. So the the earliest known um, independent investigations unit is uh, so that uh, or. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name was. I, ISU? Uh, SIU? Special Investigation Unit? I, SIU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Sorry. not sure, but yeah. So, so Special Investigations Unit, uh, the first ever in Canada, was implemented roughly 20 years ago. So prior to 20 years ago, and that was in Ontario exclusively. Yeah. And since then, a lot of the other provinces have picked it up. But prior to 20 years ago, in every single case of police, uh, police criminality, police investigated police. Always. Yeah. That was just how it's always historically been. Ontario implemented a special investigations unit, uh, which takes some of that away and doesn't do a very good job of it, but it does it arguably a better job. Than, well, like uh, you talked about, too, I mean, a lot of the guys that are on those investigative units are former police. Yeah, so that's, that's the biggest issue. So yeah. so I'm going to give you kind of a then and now with BC, just because this is where BC happened. So in 2005, they, didn't, they, they did not have independent oversight. Okay. They, that didn't come into force until 2012. Yeah. So in uh, at the time, police investigate police. Yeah. Right? So this was a kind of a unique one because obviously, so right off the bat, the coroner's report uh, called it a homicide. The blood splatter expert that was called in uh, said much the same. Hmm. The findings, the official findings from the police investigation unit from the special or from the uh, there was there's something that was it was a different body, but it was always not independent. It was part of the RCMP's uh, uh, catchment there. But uh, their their determination was that it was self-defense, right? right? That that uh, his his physical he was physically uh, overpowered, in which case he became uh, defensive and fully within his rights to use force, including lethal force. That was the the official determination. So. Ian Bush's family goes, what the fuck, and hires a blood spatter expert from Edmonton to come in and investigate, and okay. uh, and he determines as well that it looks like it was homicide. How do you get shot in the back of the head when someone's when you're on top of someone strangling them? Also, the the uh, there were absolutely no bruising or any kind of lacerations on Paul's neck um, six days after. The incident because that's when the i have no idea why there was a six-day delay but it took six even days then, there'd be some broken skin still there'd be some some kind of bruising even yellowing bruising. and there was absolutely nothing to which paul well, said even yeah it's cameras. all healed and heals quickly that they even have cameras that'll actually uh take a picture below the uh first layer of skin now, i don't know uh, if that was available in 05 they, but maybe I, I, I i'm not sure i just i've, I've read about this yeah. uh they, they usually use it for battered women cases yeah uh where you know you're trying to find uh you know a little more in-depth um uh, you, they usually use it like if there's a handprint. Yeah, you know they'll, they'll you'll get this special camera out that'll actually uh, you know highlight the areas oh, okay. uh, and show uh, the bruising a little more uh, effectively. Okay. And you know that's that that might not be something that was available. You know, but I'm that's just cool, saying though. the technology yeah. does exist. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, mo- moving on. But yeah, so the the official outcome of the case was that he was not responsible. Yeah. And uh, he has since been on the force and uh, he got transferred to Kamloops and that's where he is a, a constable there. Um, and I believe to be a threat to the public and the public safety and well-being. Um, he was also involved in a roadside attack. He got attacked. He got jumped by two people. I'm not sure of the circumstances in there, but uh, his name was in the news uh, in 2017 or 16, I believe, mm-hmm. um, as well. But the reason I point him out as just such an obvious case of just horrific lack of oversight, just horrible business practices, top to bottom. Like if you're on probation and someone dies at your hand, I don't care. I don't care what industry you're in that you need to go. Right. Well, it doesn't I, make any difference. With, I think it I really think so. I mean, like if it was like a bank robbery, like, you know, like 1920, like, you know, shoot out of the real grand or whatever, yeah. you know, that might be a little different because you'd have, you know, obviously a, there's equal threat. Yeah. Right. But, you know, for for an unarmed guy to die in your care with no cameras on. Yeah. But but here's the thing. I mean, looking at it as a business person, you invested, you know, probably 60 Six months. 60 grand or whatever it is to train this guy on how to be a cop. Yep. And then two months later, he's already, you know, pretty much a bad investment. It tells me that your screening process is not very efficient. Or well, it tells me that they care more about their bottom line than they yep. do about human safety. Of course. You know, uh, which we've talked about a lot on this show once again. I mean, yep. there's certain things that you can't run like a business. Yeah, policing, I, I, you know, mental policing, health. mental health, probably education and healthcare. Yeah. You know, utilities, I'd probably throw in there too because... I don't think it's fair what they're doing here in Alberta, to be yeah, honest. And it, and it could get a lot worse, too. It will. Well, and, and so, so like, <laughs> I, I had an interesting interaction with an officer in Kamloops. I don't know his name, but because I was aware of a couple of officers in town who had been uh, acquitted of incredibly heinous crimes, so, I, I became yeah. pretty wary of them, right? And so um, my downstairs tenant wa- got into an argument with the neighbor across the street. And, uh, in so doing the, uh, police were called and the police officer comes by and I come out and he was like, Oh, you're the owner of the house. I'm like, yeah, he's my tenant. He's like, well, why don't we go into inside to have a conversation? And I was like, if you uh, take your gun off, I, oh, I, yeah. I said, I said, well, if you plan on disarming, you're more than welcome to come in. And he was like, what? And I said, well, yeah, unless you want me to stand next to you while holding a knife, I'm not going to let you stand next to me while holding a gun. That's just not something that's going to happen on my property. Um, I have a dog in my house and I care deeply about them and I know what things can happen when you feel threatened. So yeah. it's just not going to happen. And, and he was obviously taken aback, but he was, he was really calm and it helped that that's, I was incredibly calm in the moment. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. That, I, I was not being threatening and saying, you want me to grab a knife? Right? Like, yeah. I said, I said, I said, well, because he said he, he, he could tell that, like, I could tell he was quite uncomfortable. So I said, you okay. wouldn't feel comfortable if I had a weapon next to you in my house. Right. So that's the same reason why I don't feel comfortable with you having a weapon. Yeah. In there. And this is part of the eight hours. And, of and he was reasonable. training that I'm sure he oh, I got significantly more than eight hours yeah. of de-escalation training. <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. Saying. yeah. So, so, I mean, fuck, even in, in, that that same downstairs tenant was a hoarder and a meth head. He was a fucking crazy person. Nice. But, oh, yeah. but I was doing a service. I, I had partnered with a local charity and was helping someone get off the streets. So okay. he, had, he had lived on the streets for a long time and he was clean for a while while he was living there and then he got back into it. Unfortunate. But, yeah. So when I evicted him, he pulled a, a switchblade on me in the basement of my house and started stabbing things around me. I kept my hands in my pockets the whole time and had him leave with his hands down and he put the knife on the counter and walked away. That's that's me being able to control the situation of a guy who's tweaking. Wow. But, but that 
that again is exerting a level of confidence in hand-to-hand combat situations because I'm also in a unique position where I have a black belt. So you belt did that without a gun. Combat. I did that with absolutely nothing. That's what I'm saying. I had my hands in my pockets. Yeah. But that's because I'm trained in hand-to-hand combat and weapons disarmament, right? I have a black well, belt so in Taekwondo. Cops, I mean, arguably. But, but not to the same extent, right? Six months of training doesn't give you six years to get a black belt. True. Right? No. And that's that's the reality of it is that UFC trainers are saying, like, uh, like I, I would say that the, the hand-to-hand combat should be a bare minimum standard in terms of several years of training because anybody who does martial arts yeah. can tell you it takes several years to master anything. Well, there's also a lot of things in martial arts that aren't really applicable to a uh, fight. No, uh, between, but hand-to-hand uh, weapons almost always, right? Well, like, but, but here's the thing. I mean, when you're when you're fighting somebody in a martial arts, uh, you know, fight, yep. there's there's usually rules established, yep. right? Like there's, uh, you can tap out, you know, you can, you no know, you're not going to throw, no growing kicks, no biting, <laughs> yeah. no none of this. But when you're in a situation with, the, you know, uh you're 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 in a real fight yep. let's let's call it that all that goes out the window and well, there's, there, a really, there's certain uh, certain practices of self-defense trading like krav maga is incredibly physical yeah uh, taekwondo is exclusively defensive so like yeah uh, i i took taekwondo and my my uh my master um was very firm in how we disarm properly but we never actually practiced those ex- like we would practice the motions but like um a lead foot knee break when mm-hmm. somebody has their lead foot forward it's where you step and how you pivot in order to break their leg yeah because the goal of every encounter is to end the fight as fast De-escalate. as possible without yeah. killing someone yeah so you're taught how to break wrists how to break arms how to break noses how to break knees how to break ankles as quickly and as efficiently as possible based off of scenarios in which how they how they move Fair and interact enough. with you yeah. so how how they punch depends on on how you move and and end it but because of that i was confident that if this tweaker decides that he's going to challenge me i i'm comfortable enough even with him having a knife that i feel like yeah i, I mean i might so, have been the idiot who got stabbed because i didn't run from a guy yeah, with a knife. Enough. so yeah. so i'm i'm going to i'm fully acknowledging that but i was able to get everything de-escalated by the t- the next time he came, he was asking if he could hug me and, and apologize. Like he was le- genuinely tweaking. I'm not going to hold anything against him. Yeah, he was, was a good person. But my ability to see then is a unique thing that police often don't have. Right? They don't True. look at the person there. They don't see the struggle that went behind that. Yeah. This guy is the product of a woman who was raped by a hell's angel, and then she saw the guy who raped him every time she looked at him, so she abandoned him. That's his life. He had a fucking horrible childhood. That sounds terrible. I knew that because yeah. I was helping wow. him out. But that empathy that I had for him was playing into the fact that I'm going to keep calm because yeah. I just told him, I'm here to protect you. Yeah. You know that. I gave you a house, right? Calm down and leave, right? And that's just, but that's something that police don't do. No. They don't take that personal level of accountability into the situation. They go, it would be easier and more efficient to end this faster. And that's just, I don't think that that's the right way to, and, or yeah. sometimes they're acting out of fear yeah. and, and, and a very real, incredible fear. That's what I was no going to say. Right? I mean, like, when, when you, when you're only given eight hours of communicative training and 129 hours on how to shoot something yeah, on how to operate a firearm on how to drive aggressively and everything else they're training, you know, that's kind of where that would end. I mean, I, I, I remember, uh, when I was on the ride along in Edmonton here, uh, one of the, one of the funny things is talking about the kind of the locker room conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the guys would make fun of the guys that would transfer from like England 
Because yeah. in England, they don't carry firearms. They only carry uh, billy bars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a very few, very few police officers carry firearms in the UK now. And that's only that's as a, a good response that's to uh, you know, the gang violence, yeah, right? Yeah. They're not carrying guns on the streets. There's, there's a select unit that deals with select problems that determine the need for firearms. Yeah. And um, th- when these guys come over from the UK to be police officers here, you know, sometimes on transfer, sometimes just, you know, because... You know, by pure happenstance, they moved here and were police officers before, so they want to be police officers again. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll, they'll literally tell guys, if a fucking guy with a knife pulls a knife on you in Edmonton, yeah. don't pull your baton out, shoot him. That's what they tell you in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, well, for two reasons. It's the ideology, right? Um, well, yeah. It's I the mean, training. I, I'm going to point out at the outside, not, if you get stabbed, you're more likely to die than if you That's get exactly shot. exactly it. Right? Like, yeah. knives are deadly as fuck. Yeah. They are also, most people brandishing them have no clue how to fucking use them. True. <laughs> so, True. That's the one important point to take from it. And yeah. yeah, if someone pulls a knife at you and they only look at your torso while you're moving, you're fucked. Get out of there, run. Yeah. If they have a cauliflower ear, just go. Don't even bother. But like yeah. nine times out of ten, yeah, yeah like they, they're not going to know how to use the weapon they're one holding. One shoe's going to be untied, they're going to be drooling, and yeah. they're definitely going to be but, even ten feet away. But you can I smell just, them. I remember Ugh. that conversation like it was yesterday uh, where they were making fun of this English officer for trying to use a billy bar against uh against a knife threat and everybody there was like yeah if you get pulled like everybody agrees like we're pulling a gun yeah okay well this is edmonton like that cokehead's gonna try to stab you yeah it's not like the uk where you can talk him down and yeah. like it is in but my yeah, opinion like, i mean like, sure did you even try like yeah. you have yeah, like a variety of different options before you reach for that firearm but there's always that argument you know it's re- it's better to be judged by 12 than carried by eight yeah and that's what that's what cops tell themselves and they go yeah. into a lot of these encounters but that's that that culture right there is how black guys pulling out a cell phone or a wallet get shot yeah because now that it's okay to pull out your gun when someone else pulls out a knife which again, one upping, right, is is absurd to me. Yeah. Like I don't understand how the confidence levels are so low that in, in your own physical capabilities that you have to rely on a gun on a regular basis. If someone's running away from you, especially, which has happened several times yeah. now, right? Like that there's no threat. Absolutely zero they are running farther away. Unless you know they are running towards a sniper rifle, then I don't think yeah. that you have absolutely any validity in 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 going after them in any kind of physical sense, right? Yeah. Like uh at shooting at them because your your right to detain them is not above their right to not be shot. Like that that doesn't make sense. Well yeah, I mean like even if like I, I just, that's that's one of those gray areas, right? Where yeah. it's like you have somebody carrying a knife that's showing you that knife, and then you pull a gun and they put the knife away and turn around and run. But they also don't give you a chance a lot of the time. They'll pull out their yeah. gun and they're not going to say, put down the gun or I shoot. Which right? they should. Which they well, should. By their training. Yeah. You or need tase to, him. Yeah. You need to give a few verbal commands. Yeah. yeah before you pull the trigger now obviously that's circumstantial right like yep. if the guy's charging with a knife it's gonna be you know uh but if if they're just standing there like you'd want to try a few verbal commands at, at least before pulling your gun out i yep. mean at the end of the day though it takes a lot less time for someone to run at you and stab you with a knife than to draw a gun and fire it in yeah. a lot of situations oh, yeah. i mean have unless you ever had you've a gun trained, pulled on you uh, a gun pulled on me? Yeah, oh, yeah I have, yeah. but it was in training. Oh, so okay. it yeah, wasn't yeah. in a real life situation. But I had an um, officer unclip on me. He never actually pulled it out, but he unclipped. Hmm. Yeah, in a traffic stop. Really? Yeah. I got, uh, I was uh, 17 or 18. Yeah. 
and I was driving a 91 Civic hatchback. Nice. Oh, I love them. (laughs) And um, so the reason that's important is because there's almost no metal on that, but the spoiler is metal. Yeah. And in BC, you have to uh, display an L or an N when you have like a a non-full license license or or, uh, your new driver's license. Yeah, your N for noob. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So my little plastic baggie had busted, so I put it up on the little spoiler. Now, this is a car that's maybe three and a half feet tall off the ground. Yeah. Every single human being can see it. And I'm going through West Vancouver, so it's West Van PD, it's not RCMP. And there's a giant black SUV behind me, like a huge one. And this road is a 60K and I'm maybe going 65. People are flying past me. I'm in the far right lane because I'm going to the mall, which is like it's a nice mall park royal there. Yeah. And uh, lights go on. Right. And I'm literally at the entrance of the parking lot. So rather than stop in an incredibly busy intersection because the bridge turn off is right yeah, there to get turn off the into North the parking Shore. lot. Yeah, I, I turn into the parking lot. And then I'm like, well, I'm already in the parking lot. I might as well not impede traffic. So I just par- park at the first stall that was right there. Yeah. But then there's a car on either side of me. So I open my door and I put my hands out just to show that. And all I hear, get the fuck back in the car. Get the fuck back in the oh, car. God. And he's running at me with, the, with, his car, with his hands over his gun and his clip off. Yeah. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I didn't think you could actually fit between these two cars. I was just trying to help. And, uh, and so I close the door. I keep my hands out the whole time, right? Yeah. So this is where things kind of got interesting because I knew that he was pulling me over for frivolous horseshit because he came up to me and he goes, uh, where's your end? And I was like, how do you need it? No, I need an N. He's like, give me your license and registration. <laughs> so I, yeah. I give him my license and registration. And then he goes, where's your N? It's supposed to be displayed on the back. And I'm like, obviously you saw it. Like, obviously you could see it on the spoiler there. Uh, there's no metal on the back of the car. You can check that back window. The baggie is there, but it's hanging and it's broken. I, I didn't have a baggie. So I put it on the only yeah. piece of metal on the vehicle. I'm still doing my best to comply. You saw it. He was like, like you're supposed to put it on the fucking back and i was like yeah there's i tried i couldn't i'm sorry <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what more you yeah. want from me but but either way uh he he like starts getting pretty antagonistic with yeah, me yeah 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 uh, of course but then he also realizes that i wasn't speeding within with outside of reason and i complied to all laws so he actually pulled me over <laughs> and charged my car with an unclipped holster to let me off with a warning that he thought I should thank him for. Yeah, wow. I said, you have yourself a delightful weekend. Yeah. And then the door shuts. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was a very, very... I mean, I was parked, so I wasn't ready to go to the mall. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't horribly inconvenienced, but it was definitely like a scary moment in the... You see an officer running at you yelling, and I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. But I also know that my whiteness pr- is what probably prevented me from getting shot. Uh, I think... Uh, a first nations because there's a lot of first nations people right near that area uh if they if they were in the same situation i don't know that they would have been given the same benefit of the doubt but yeah i mean it's it can be scary when you're encountering officers as well right but that goes back to that comply thing i i didn't actually follow the step-by-step rules and regulations of how you interact with police right always make sure your hands are shown always answer uh directly without going into crazy detail right Yeah. yeah so just making sure that you learn from our mistakes, I guess, is a good good, good thing yeah, to, to point out here. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the other story I really want to touch on today, uh, you know, since we're on just, you know, cops doing things they shouldn't, uh, we, we all watched uh, this CBC documentary. Yeah, I'm going to pull up uh, the name right now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you can you can start into it. I'll let, I'll let the yeah. people know. Yeah. We all, uh, how, how are we on time there, brother? 
Oh, we're doing good. We're coming up on uh, coming up on two hours. Okay, so this perfect. is this is this is a nice long conversation. Yeah, this like is uh, this is good. called Above the Law. It's on CBC Gem, and it is uh, is quite fucked. Yeah, highly suggested. Yeah, yeah, you know the uh, the the first few minutes of that just just chilling. I mean, uh, the leaving that guy out in minus twenty eight. Uh, that was Officer Lindsay with yep. the oh uh, yeah that guy with the Calgary Police, and two of the stories in that. We're uh, Officer documentary. Lindsay. We're, we're Officer Lindsay. And both of those um, stories also were Tom Engel. So yeah, good, yeah. good thing to know. Yeah. At the That's outset the again, yeah. Tom Engel, if you're in Alberta and you need a criminal defense lawyer, yeah. we are not sponsored by him. We're not sponsored. Yeah. Uh, my we friends should, have articled with him and they've, ta- yeah. they've, they've mentioned how fucking phenomenal this guy is. Yeah. We should try and get ass. him on at one point. Yeah, it would be, be great. very interesting to awesome. that conversation. But yeah, I think that... That so you kind of just breeze past it there, but the fir- the first one was fucking horrifying. So this poor guy, he he's uh, of uh, African descent, yeah. so and he's from actually like actually from Africa, so yeah. he's got the accent. Um, and he was the designated driver that evening, and he was driving his friends home. And I don't remember the backstory all that well, but yeah, I remember his car was stuck. Yeah, and uh, the police showed up. Yeah, and it, I think it was Officer Lindsay. Officer Lindsay didn't show up the first time. I don't think, or was well, it? Yeah, it was him it was, because okay, he put yeah. him in the back of the car. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, he yeah, left yeah, yeah, his yeah. car in the snowbank and put him in the back of the car, and then drove him to a construction site in minus twenty eight and left him there in a tracksuit. And how is that allowed? Like that? It's, it's fucking not. No, but. Here was the craziest shit, because what this this doc pointed out was that that poor guy went to six lawyers in Calgary, and all of them refused to help him, right? So so they, one of them recommended Tom, and yeah. Tom drove down from Edmonton to help him in Calgary. There we but go. But that's yeah. how disillusioned criminal defense law... Like, again, I said, it, I said it at the outset, I could probably, if I, were artic- if I had already gotten my license to practice... I could make eighteen hundred bucks in a in a fifteen to twenty minute start. Uh, like I could, right? Yeah. Why would I go through the trouble of what's likely a legal aid billing that's going to take a fuck ton of my time and prevent me from making more money? Right. Look, defense defense attorneys again, they're overburdened a lot of the time. So yeah. taking on cases that take a long time are not in their interest. They yeah, want to take fair. quick cases, yeah. right? Because that's how they bill mm. and so six different lawyers reject him. Tom goes down there and helps him. But yeah. it yeah. took two weeks to find Tom. And what happened in those two weeks, Ev? Well, um, basically, after leaving someone out in minus 28, and that didn't end there. No, it didn't. Oh. That's oh, a, yeah, He filed didn't. an official complaint that day, right? And that then so the RCP's response. He was calling so what happened, cops. He called yeah. the cops. He called them because he was freezing yeah. in this construction area with no nowhere to go inside. Right. Nowhere to stay warm. Gets a phone, calls the police again. They hang up on him two or three times, and then Lindsay shows up again. Yeah, and says stop fucking says, calling, stop us. calling us. And so, basically, an argument ensues. Yeah. You can't see what happens. All you see is the footage from the helicopter where uh, this guy is literally handcuffed to the ground, face down in the snow, and Constable Lindsay is literally dropping knees into this guy's head. Gross. Uh, while other cops are running into the scene, they throw this guy into the paddy wagon take him downtown, charge him with assault on an officer and a whole bunch of other horse shit. And this guy loses his job, can't afford, starts living on the streets. And then again, uh, uh, there's another the second instance yeah so of, now so now he's yeah. filed a complaint which then in turn the police filed an assault charge which is one of the reasons that those defense attorneys didn't want to go in there is because again you have to then defend the charge but then also go on the offense it's a lot more work right yeah and it's again you're doing it on legal aid because the guy lost his job he's also he's not from here originally yeah. so it's it, it's really and 
the system goes against you. The the one lawyer who re- who had recommended Tom was mm-hmm. the one who said in the interview that it was actually because he kept he was insistent that there had to be cameras there. Please find the cameras. Please, I want you to see what happened. Yeah. And she's like, "There's no innocent person that would want us to see the cameras." Yeah, right. Like that's like especially since he was begging for audio. Let yeah. you let, like let's hear it. Let's hear it. Right. Yeah. And but they found none of yeah. these guys had body cameras on. None. Uh, none of them had dash cameras that you could see. Yeah. Uh, and that that's that's part of this issue. You have no idea. Uh, after this guy was left out in minus twenty eight, called the police, got hung up on three times, of which there is evidence of. They showed in the uh, video. Yeah. Uh, then the police show up, and all you get is this helicopter video of him getting the fucking shit beat out of him uh, by this constable. Uh, he makes a complaint, loses his job, loses his liberty, loses his life, pretty much. It's under criminal lives with investigation. PTSD. And then while this is all happening, while Lindsay's under investigation, he's still on the prowl. He's still on... He is still on the force. They didn't suspend him at all. No. Yeah. And then there was the second um, uh, investigation with the exact same constable, where uh, they went and they did a... Uh, Wellness a check. wellness check on this, uh, you know, drug addict guy. I think it was fentanyl or opiates, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, make this, him downtown. Oh, this this poor guy's brother. It just it almost made me cry. In that I know, video, yeah. man. Because literally, like uh, the uh, the only video that happened, uh, and then he was again, uh, you know. Uh, uh, what, what what were we talking about? A complaint was filed against him after this as well. Yeah. Uh, what what happened is uh, you see this video of him standing, no audio once again, no body camera footage once again, no no, no footage from the car, no audio. This was from somewhere over where this guy was parked, about I don't know fifty yards away from where it happened. He takes this guy out of the back of his car, same guy, Lindsay, same guy that beat up. Oh, the, this was uh, at the police station. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that was actually the in the garage. back of the yeah. police yeah. station. So he pulls him out of the car, and then he literally throttles this guy three times in the back of the head. Then throws him face first into the ground oh, while he's guy, unconscious yeah. yeah this guy gets brain damage uh and a whole bunch of other issues he had to have his skull drilled so that the blood could be released because it was causing too much pressure on his brain and That's, you ugh. know uh, apparently uh what Lindsay said is this guy tried to spit on him and the video that's... clearly doesn't show <laughs> anywhere. There's but blood on the car. This is this is where I, I want this to get like ultra dark. What what, what happened to Constable Lindsay, Tristan? <laughs> so Lindsay actually got so 17 months of this investigation go yeah. by for this poor for fucking both family. of these families. Yeah. yeah. So um, Lindsay gets actually finally formally charged with assault. Yeah. Right. Hooray! And, which was yay. And he goes on suspended pay for two years. So suspension with pay with, with for two years. Yeah. So he's uh, he's getting paid this whole time. And uh, which, by the way, RCMP salaries are fucking ridiculous. After about three or four years, I think uh, you're in the CPS, 88. not RCMP. Oh but yeah, it's very yeah, fair similar enough. Calgary Police Station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, at the at the onset, though, I mean, I really wanted to get into the uh, Alberta instant security. The that what, what's that? Uh, oh, the serious response ones. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. Our, so what's Alberta's? But that was the other but, wellness check. That yeah, they uh, came into. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's the, what in, I want to get into. But, okay, so, sorry, Lindsay's still out there though, right? No, so Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay was... Just to uh, finish that up. So just like every other officer, just like Officer Love, just like every other officer does when they're facing investigation internally, uh, they always, always, always resign one day before their punishment is supposed to be coming out. So that's wow. exactly what oh, he does. Okay. Uh, sentencing hasn't happened yet for him. It's supposed to happen this spring hmm. uh, wow. for Lindsay. Yeah, so it's been okay. several years now. Um, <laughs> I, so we can, we can look out for that now. Uh, I was supposed to happen in 2020, but then Corona saved, oh, yeah, saved that course. guy. Yeah. 
Um, which they're probably going to argue for time served because he's been behind bars. Uh, or oh, he's behind bars. My, right my now. guess is he's it, or, or he's on parole with conditions, but they'll yeah. probably play a time served <clears throat> card and see if they can <clears throat> get him off that way. So yeah, well, I mean, there's not a lot of punishments for officers who go this way. Uh, that that poor gentleman too, um, because he was an addict, he went. To, he died. Didn't yeah. He? So so yeah. he ended up overdosing the day after he got out of the or the day that he got out of the treatment facility. Yeah. So yeah. as uh, he was suffering from brutal PTSD resulting from that, yeah, and now no, he had I serious would, uh, brain damage, and then he went and did drugs and OD'd and died. Yeah, so, so sad. I would actually argue that there was, uh, you know, a, a Anthony Hopkins movie fracture level uh, degree of of responsibility in in uh, in causing his death on behalf of the officer. Yeah, because you know, but for the brain damage. Uh, the and the PTSD resulting from it. Yeah. Who's to say that he wouldn't he would have done that? But, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just, but yeah, the the other wellness check is brutal. So again, this documentary covers it pretty well. But there's a, a wellness oh, yeah, check covered, yeah. and this uh, those two uh, the parents from Prince Albert. Right? Yeah, yeah, so th- this yeah. was the one where it was the motel owner had called. So this was actually. Oh. This was a, a young guy. He had a college degree, but he had kind of gone back and forth with substances. I think they, they were saying that he had had an injury and an uh, opiate addiction. Yeah, uh, something opiate like addiction that. that yeah, resulted yeah, yeah. As a, and so he had been clean for a while, but he had gotten back into it. So he was staying at this motel. And my understanding was a motel manager or, or, or owner or whatever got uh, concerned because the guy's payment had lapsed and he called for a wellness yeah, check to make yeah, sure the yeah. like, guy's okay. It. Didn't investigate, didn't do anything, didn't just called the door, police yeah. to say, hey, check on this room, please. Yeah. So five officers okay. show up. Five. They, they kick That's down important. the door. One, two, yeah. three, four, five. Five, yeah. five officers. Five. They, ki- they kick down his door without knocking. They kick down the door um, to which uh, there is a, what they say, a hostile interaction uh, again, no unarmed, kidding. unarmed. There's no arm, arm, no arm shit. Uh, whatsoever, right? Um, and he is tased not once, but twice. twice. Now, while he's tased and he's lying defenseless <laughs> on the bed, he is shot twice in the stomach and three times in the That's head. That's right. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, while, while he was detained. So, and this was, but I think the person, the officer firing was one officer, I p- believe. Yeah, that's what the thing said. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was one, one officer one that decided to that shoot decided at him. decided to shoot, yeah. Yeah, right. because he said his, his safety was jeopardized. Again, this poor guy who died was charged with assault How? so that he yeah. could get self-defense after it. Like, the other guys just kind of stop and, like, turn around and be like, well... They look out for their brothers. They always yeah. will. Yeah. This yeah. is like, the problem now, when now you're an athlete. Freaking, yeah. Like, if you're an athlete, like... A great example. Let's use the hockey example right now because I think that you can use a guy like Milan Lucic who plays for uh, the Flames now. <laughs> yeah, a great yeah, example, yeah, right? Because yeah, he played for the Oilers. For sure. Right? Yeah. He'll murk anyone on the oh, Oilers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But when he was on the Oilers, if you touched any of them, he would murk. You, That's right? exactly yeah. it. Yeah. There isn't a single player in the NHL that respects uh, Kachuk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's just there's just not one. But Lu- if you touch Kachuk and Lucic is on the ice yeah. and Kachuk is can't is in a position where he can't defend himself, Luch will take you the fuck out. Yeah. It, it is about what jersey you wear, yeah. not about who you are. Yeah. Right? And that is the terrifying part about it. When your feeding pool are athletes and military, yeah. that is the exact same approach for both of them. And to tie that back yeah. to the uh, Rio uh, Reba uh, yeah. thing I was talking about, you can see that in It's the jersey too. you wear, not the... Uh, not- exactly. It's not the laws you're supposed to uphold. It's uh, it's the teammates that you're playing the game with. Ugh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just to go on that, what, what happened? Uh, this guy got shot five times by this one officer, 
And then uh, the, the parents obviously wanted to get an investigation yep. done. And what's this Alberta um, independent? Uh, yeah, so they're serious investigations unit. Yeah. So one thing I didn't touch on. So 2012 BC gets that serious incident. Uh, so they get their, yeah. the, I, they call it something else. Uh, in Alberta, it's called ACERT, uh, the yeah. Alberta Serious Incident Response Team. Um, so ACERT is not really independent. It's kind of pseudo independent. Um what I mean by that is everybody, like you said, is a former officer. Um, but BC is, a, uh, is, is why it's a, uh, explains why that's the case. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, and so, um, the BC CLA, which is the civil liberties, uh, association, mm-hmm. they were pointing out the fact that, uh, in BC, they have legislation that requires that if you're going to be on their civilian oversight board, that you can't have been an officer for the past five years. The problem is, is they couldn't find anybody who qualified as a result. Yeah. Right. right. And so they actually had to suspend that portion. The only portion of the legislation that actually protects and ma- makes sure that these people are civilians and not part of the same team that they had to suspend that because it wasn't it, it was preventing them from being able to hire anybody and the reason for that is you can't go you can go to college and get a training course on poetry mm-hmm. you can't get anything for blood splatter recognition <laughs> no. you can't you can't get poli- police level <laughs> training and investigation yeah. skills through a college you have to go through a police training to, to get it, right? Well, you know the other reason for that is a lot of the stuff they use to uh, get criminals um you know, a lot of that investigative uh, science is, uh, is is bullshit. Oh, yeah. I mean, they looked at bite marks, for example, a little while ago under, uh, you know, a little more scrutiny. And they discovered that a lot of the uh, bite mark technology, a lot of the uh, the bite uh, mark um, uh, Prince, arrests, oh, like okay. uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the arrests that occurred as a result of you know, uh, bite marks uh, used as evidence uh, was actually incorrect uh, because uh, there was... Yeah, I yeah. can't see that being yeah, very like they, they use, identifiable. Uh, yeah, but yeah. They, they've used it several, several times. This was more of a thing down in the States uh, than Canada, but it's just, I think they protect a lot of that because if you actually looked at the true science of some of it, it might be suspect. Well, like fingerprints you know? are also not entirely unique. True. Right? So like, No? No. Koalas actually have almost identical to human fingerprints. I saw that no on shit. Facebook the other day. Not that I have a koala around to pin a murder on, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Plus, they're just too cute. I wouldn't want that poor guy serving. True. And most of them have syphilis, actually. He'd so. look really cute in a hat, though. Oh, you put man. a little police uniform on him. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Be like Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the Alberta Serious Incident Response Team, uh, uh, they start investigating this this five officer shooting Easter. a defenseless person. That's what it was. Um, Again, I think it was seventeen months, seventeen or eighteen months. I don't know on how this long one. it took, but too long. But the the part of it that was stupid, stupid, disturbing was they had the they crown found, prosecutor. Coming. Yeah, the crown prosecutor was was there the day that Acert went to make their announcement. Yeah, Acert said we don't find any probable grounds. Uh, or sorry, they 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 had said that there was no real probable grounds to to find fault with the officer. Yeah, and the crown prosecutor agreed and wanted to just wrap it up on the spot in the same interview. Yeah, the parents so he were came there up to the, everything. Yeah, that's that's never tragic. happened by the way. Crown prosecutors are supposed to be separate from Acert. They're not supposed to be interacting together. That crown prosecutor should have been at home watching that and then had to call a press conference himself, not have a press conference called in tandem with someone that they're supposed to be distinct from. Wow. So, uh, yeah, like the way that that happened was was absolutely disastrous. Yeah. And just imagine being the parents, you know, like 
here's your legal recourse. Yeah, just, oh, there's none. Yeah. Getting brushed and then under the, the rug. Prosecutor's yeah. like, yeah, we're good. See ya. Well, and like, Bye. so <laughs> it's it's scary too because if you're a citizen of Calgary and you're listening to this, you live in a city with the most violent police force in the country yeah, in terms most of their violence against shooting. Uh, not per capita either we're talking most officer shootings in general yeah so toronto yeah so toronto has double the population of calgary and had almost half they had 40 percent less uh fewer shootings in 2018 than calgary yeah they show the 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 statistics on that uh documentary so if you give that a watch i think it was six or something officer involved shootings from calgary no 10 for calgary six from toronto yeah and then uh, one from vancouver but that's just that's just unbelievable when you think about it yeah yeah i mean uh to to, i i don't know we've been chatting a little while here yeah uh i I wouldn't mind keep going if you guys want to it's up to you yeah i'm good to go for a little longer i think what one way i want to go and kind of sticking with your rights here is um I think that when you're living in Calgary and you know this about your officers, you know that they're they're to be watched. It's of the utmost importance that you're recording things, that your interactions with officers on a regular basis, because they have been shown time and time again to be willing to go above the law mm-hmm. and to to circumvent the law at every stage of the investigatory process. Yep. They hold themselves uh, uh, uh to a significantly lower standard at every stage than they do any other person in the country. Mm-hmm. And well, that just shows in the, in the statistics. Yeah. I mean, and like, it's dangerous. It's, it's genuinely dangerous to, I, I have a hard time when we use words like heroes for police officers in general. I don't think just because you pop on a Cape that you're a hero, you could just be an idiot in a Cape. And I think that the I, heroic, have act- seen the boys. <laughs> I mean, like, there you go. <laughs> My my neighbor Kevin used to run around with a cave yelling, I'm Superman and never near Halloween. Um <laughs> But but all I'm all I'm saying is that is that I have a hard time when the public wants to view officers as heroes. You you genuinely you're either going to be disillusioned or you're gonna be disappointed. I think what you need to realize is in certain circumstances, people can do heroic things and yeah. they can be horrible, horrible they can do horrible, horrible things in other ways. Yeah. I think a lot of the police uh misbehavior is actually due to inaction as a i would like to see legislation create a positive requirement on an officer if you're an officer and you witness criminality on behalf of another officer you are legally required to or are therefore found guilty of negligence if ever that officer is discovered that would be good because you think that's how it should be right you know but yeah. there's but when we're willing to acknowledge that like we we gave you what it takes to become an RCMP officer. We explained that at the beginning of this. When you take all of that into account, it you realize really quickly that you can become a police officer who's 3 years on the force with a $90,000 salary, a laptop strapped to your car that's given to you by taxpayers, a gun on your uh, on your belt and uh uh a badge that says that you have a voice that's more important than everyone else. And you still won't be legally allowed to rent a car from Hertz, right? It takes or you longer can rent to become. A car, but there's a surcharge. <laughs> yeah, because you're it, under twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it takes longer to become a a manager of a Starbucks than it does to become a police officer. Through work the training. Well, the, the experience and the training, right? And they're always going to. What you always hear from police officers and defenders thereof. Um, and, and again, not officers, it's the system that I have a problem with, not the individuals within it. If the system was corrected, the individuals correct themselves, right? Yeah. Like 
But the reason why there's less violence in sports now is not because people are less violent now. It's because the rules change to reduce the violence in oh, sports. Oh, really? I know. Oh, no my kidding. God. It's almost like we can change things if we alter the rules. So you mean <laughs> that football players don't all need Parkinson's in their 50s? I know, right? And ho- hockey players don't all need to fucking have a, a cro- chronic concu- post-concussion <laughs> sy- yeah. syndrome. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's shocking that this needs to ex- be explained to adults who don't have a problem with the incredibly low standards for hiring practices here because when you raise the standards and and what you'll then hear is well we're not going to get enough people recruiting okay then let's make it so that we have specialized responses response teams right we might not get enough people who would qualify for the use of force aspect of it but are you going to be able to pull people from their psychology gigs and get them to be criminal psychologists potentially are you going to be able to pull someone like me who has a law background and wants to be involved in police oversight or or potentially even in just reviewing police interactions to uh, advise the police of how to properly act in circumstances Yeah. yeah but i would have to be a grunt Yep. I have nine years post-secondary and I could be sitting next to a dude who just graduated high school and we are the same person in the eyes of their, their hiring board. That's right. In fact, I'm a bigger threat because I'm more likely to blow the whistle against shit. That's right. right? So I'm, despite having more skills and more knowledge, I, I would be less valuable to them in their eyes because yeah. of the standards they hold themselves to. So I think that we really need to focus on standards and changing the standards of practice because... I heard I I was called a cop hater in law school by a guy named Scott who uh, used to work in uh, the Calgary based um, youth uh, youth detention center. Well, to be fair, I wouldn't call anyone here a cop hater. No, I you know, absolutely I, we I, have I respect. Think, I think it's just more like I, I heard someone say it. You can go on. I'm going to try to remember this. <laughs> you go on. I just I can't remember what I'm so, going to say here. So yeah, so Scott had called me a cop hater because I I had questioned um the validity of stop and frisk things and the the validity of using using a force and all of those things in in class and i did it in an interesting context i'm not i'm not a stranger to and people will say like maybe i maybe i'm a white knight maybe that's true i don't know maybe i'm a guy who likes to pr- be the hero for the minority i don't know if well, that's I think true that this is I what think- i was going to say i think a lot of minorities also don't hate police no of they course not bad police exactly right. but they're also scared to speak up so yes. i actually, i had in, and this is another problem that we can get into another time. I only had two black people in my entire 114-person uh, law school class, right? Yeah. Two. And one of them was in my criminal law class while we were talking about detention. And we were talking about that Toronto case I mentioned earlier with plainclothes officers in front of a black teen, in front and behind him, right? Yeah. And they, the prof asked the, the class, uh, would you feel detained? And nobody else put, nobody put their hand up. And I could see... I'm not going to name her, but I could see her getting uncomfortable. Yeah. And I put my hand up and he said, uh, Professor Diab, who, by the way, one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met. Absolutely amazing criminal law prof. He's a criminal law prof for TRU and for UBC. Nice. Um, he asked me why. And I said, well, in this instance, I have to put myself in the shoes of a teenager minority in Toronto who has been taught to fear the police officers because of things that they've grown up watching. And for that reason, if I'm now feeling like I'm not allowed to move because of the actions of the police officers, then yes, I am detained. It was after that class that I had the conversation with Scott where he accused me of, of being a cop hater. Hmm. Huh. And came a... Oh, I want that edited out. Okay. The classmate came up to me. So yeah, we'll start here. The classmate came up to me afterwards and thanked me for stepping up 
because she didn't feel comfortable bringing that up in a classroom of white people. Yeah, no kidding. And I said, I'm sorry that we didn't, as a class, make you feel comfortable that way. Yeah. Like, because yeah. that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. She doesn't get to participate. She doesn't get to give her her side of the story. And that really, really sucks. And she's a lawyer now and she's fucking excellent. And she's going to yeah. be a mom soon and she's amazing. Um, That's great. You know, yeah. and I, yeah. I think uh, a lot of the, in a lot of cases, I mean, us white people just kind of wait for people to kind of speak up. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's one of the most, you know, unfortunate things is, we, we we understand that there's systemic racism out there. We yeah. understand the system doesn't work. And it feels like the more educated you are, the more you understand how fucked up everything is. Yeah. But it, it, it always seems to be that whenever a group of us is put to task with or without minorities in the group, oh, well, what would you say about X, Y, Z and how yeah. it's affecting, mm. you know, this group? You know, no one, no one, a, a very rarely, Will you get a uh, a Caucasian person to say exactly what you just said? Yeah, you know? it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm a, I have a very weird and unique <clears throat> background. Like yeah. my 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 cousins are I have I have relatively large extended pardon me extended family, and so I have cousins who are First Nations and they live in uh, in Edmonton, mm-hmm. and I have cousins who are black, and it's just by virtue of our family lineage, and I I'm descendant from. Uh, like Romanian gypsies who were held under concentration camps in Stalin under yeah. Stalin. So I come from a weird, I'm a weird white because, yeah. because I'm white, but I'm not the white you think I am white with flavor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like an Eastern European, but like yeah. almost every class of person who is, who was below the ruling class of white people. Yeah. Right. Like we were always the dirt to the white people until black people came into their lives. And then we were no longer it, we were less visible, yeah, because probably because we weren't wearing stars on our jackets, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it was harder to distinguish against us, and so they they would do well. Don't you think so about those guys? And then half the people who lived their lives as victims would do that, would acquiesce, and just to avoid having the punishment brought it's like on them. That old story of uh, that lady throwing bread into the uh, trains full of the uh, you know people going to Auschwitz and ever. Uh, oh. Basically, there was this. Uh, uh, a very famous author, I, I think it was Eli White, I, I'm not sure, uh, wrote uh, Nacht, I think. It's the book about the um, uh, the Holocaust. But essentially there's this one part of the book where uh, he sees this lady throwing bread into these trains full of people, and he it, it just the, the, the chaos ensues, people fighting over food. And he's like, why are you doing that? And she's like, well, I, I believe in charity, don't you? Like, just just that and it's like well to you that might be charity those people are killing each other for crumbs down there yeah you know and it's just that whole mentality that's been pulled from that to now i mean yeah okay this is happening this is why we're having these conversations on this podcast yeah this is something that's occurring on a daily fucking basis in canada in the states in the uk in europe we had this humongous following and uh, outcry about the George Floyd incident. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say I really appreciate the fact that we could come here and talk about this like adults. Me too. And yeah. have these conversations and shed some light on some issues. And, you know, the, no one took that fucking side of things uh, where it was just the blatant, oh, the police are infinitely right, always right, these people are scum, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Because... 
that's the only people defending the police, in my opinion, in today's society. If you can it's, take it's any the system itself and yeah. people like that. Well, if you can take anything from the arguments I've made in the first few episodes here, it would be that the law is not a barometer for right and wrong. Yeah. Not even remotely. No. You got to remember, like when we were joking about Elvis Presley changing things, it was quite literally illegal to shake your hips on stage in public. Yeah. It was illegal. Was it wrong? No. No, it was illegal. Yeah. So the, the law... <clears throat> The, when the federal government tried to prevent Canadians from making margarine, <laughs> it could have been illegal to have hydrogenated oils. Might have been fucking good for our cholesterol levels later on in life. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, well, but, actually, uh, margarine has a tremendous amount of trans fats, which are really, not really bad for all. So maybe they would just have that crystal ball. Butter's healthier, yeah. apparently. I, like, they change every day. Like, yeah. coffee's pretty much a uh, a fucking um deity it's, a, it's both a scourge you know? and a health food Who yeah knows? it's it's like yeah, depending uh, it, on the day it can give you heart problems but also make you more alert it can you know stop parkinson's from happening but also create psychosis like, Sounds like cocaine. it's a catholic yeah. god you know it's like what are you gonna do today i don't know yeah. uh, whatever <laughs> today I'm I'm it's ah. a skeleton key it's gonna <laughs> yeah. go into whatever slot it finds <laughs> most fun exactly it yeah but you know we, we can't really apply that to our legal system no. there is a way it should run there's a way it should operate there should be a rule of law there shouldn't be this separation between how police are regulated and how the population's regulated and i think yeah. a lot of our podcast is really just turning out to what isn't fair in society today yeah. And, and and that's we can agree on that a hundred percent and i think that that's the beautiful thing <laughs> is pretty, like yeah because once we agree on what's not fair because a lot of the time we think that the other person doesn't agree with us on that yeah right and i think that that's the fun part about this is that we go oh shit we both agree on that we might agree fundamentally on the solution to it but even in those cases when we've talked about it and we've come to an agreement on what what's causing the issue yeah we tend to come to an agreement at least in, in part on what the best approach would be, not necessarily the most effective, but uh, or, or the easiest to put through, but the most effective yeah. approach would be yeah. because a lot of that's just logic, and yeah. that's so lost because of how the legal system adapts, right? Like for for anybody who still doubts that that the law is is not about what's right or wrong, it wasn't until 2017 that dueling was pulled out of the criminal law book. In Canada. Yeah. 2017. I thought, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite literally, if someone came yeah. up to you and slapped you with a glove and threatened you to a duel, it was... I <laughs> demand it, satisfaction! It was a, it was a criminal <laughs> offense to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but the best part was, is in contract law, you cannot cr contract for harm beyond de minimis, like yeah. we talked about. Which means that if you contract to meet somewhere to shoot each other for harm beyond de minimis, that contract's invalid, and Fair. therefore... It's not, it's, in, it's impossible to have that actually like actioned on, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can go through the absurdities of a lot of ridiculous laws that, that are just so permissive. So if this was four years ago, I could have got out like a leather glove and just like, psh, well, no, but you would have, you, you could have been criminally to, charged for that. Well, yeah. no, but like challenge you to like a duel that's not beyond harm diminished whatever oh yeah if we were gonna like do dueling vocals yeah like, yeah it's, <laughs> challenge it to a vocal duel yeah. <laughs> high noon yeah, yeah. you're just like oh we're gonna have a duet this is gonna be great slap us only <laughs> Ooh, bond level i love uh. it but yeah like it, it but it's just like the absurd things we have on there right yeah. like that 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 just they well, don't li line up i, with I think it's just a laws get added to laws and it's a lot like showcase theater like you were saying safety yeah. showcase theater because under under the current laws the firearms act 
fact, this is this is where a lot of fucking zany shit happens. You can legally own a tank that's operating. Yeah, there's can, a guy. There was a guy three blocks from my house who had one. Because uh, <laughs> the only restrictions they have on that's, firearms are barrel length. Yeah. And um, size of the weapon itself. Now, obviously, a, a, a tank has a barrel that's like more than six feet, so it passes the regulation. Is as long as it's not a fully automatic <laughs> firing uh, mechanism behind the tank, you can legally own a fully operating tank in Canada, and you can also buy the uh, the ammunition for it as long as it's not high explosive or incendiary. So think about well, that. That's pretty for a cool. Minute. Well, yeah, yeah, the guy, the guy <laughs> that, uh, down legally, the street from me owned legally, a tank, yeah. parked in his yard, <laughs> and he rented it out for ten thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Wow. Well, to it, film. It, yeah. it ta- uh, well, it that's t- pretty cool. The, the next thing I really want to talk about is just how, when you research shit, how shit comes out. Yeah. You know, especially in today's yeah. society. I mean, we've do- we've dove into the policing, we've dove into taxes, we've uh, looked at cancel culture. We we've done a lot of kind of, you know, surface level stuff on what's going on in today's society. Sure. But uh, you know, the one thing I really want to talk about next week is uh let's say you you manage to weather through all these things we've talked about. You know, uh, every day, you know, the, the, we have to deal with the policing. We have to deal with the taxes. Yeah. Uh, the cancel culture is happening every day. Uh, let's say we save up, you know, five grand over this pandemic. What are we going to do to have fun? Yeah. I mm. want to talk about what not to do. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on cruises. I'm going to touch on, yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to touch on a few industries that, you know, should be, uh, should have some light shed on them, like uh, hot air balloons. Okay. I really want to talk about that next week. Um, my, my father actually, uh, before he retired, worked for uh, Transport Safety Board. And, I was, I was um, going to say something about that too. I'd, yeah. I'd like to hear something. I, you like, know, I, 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 a few of his opinions might shine through here uh, on the whole hot air ballooning, but. Uh, yeah, like just to put a bow on this, I, I really just want to wrap up. Uh, like right now, it's been a pretty long podcast, yeah. and uh, we're probably not going to get paid on this because if you sat to the end of this, uh, I, I thank you. Yeah, uh, we don't get paid till the end of the podcast, so you literally have to listen through the whole thing in order to get paid by Spotify. So probably not going to happen if you're here. Thank you. But uh, to recap, <laughs> the three things we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. Get always, a lawyer's number in your phone. Always have a lawyer's number in your phone. Always, yeah. always, always remain calm. Be Doesn't, respectful. Remain calm. Yeah. Does not if your your response will your emotions will be used against you by officers in a court of law. Yeah. And follow right? the and on the street prior to a court of law, in yeah. fact. So it's yeah. always important to to save all of that, any argument you have. Save it for after the fact. In the moment where the officer can claim to be feeling threatened, you just do your best to remove their feeling of threat. Because they are not trained in de-escalation, it's your job to be trained in de-escalation. For anyone out there that's, uh, you know, maybe living a little more on the edge, I don't know, a little more outlaw life, look up the use of force graph. Yeah. Look it up. It's a circle in Canada. And that will really... That's how you should re- interact with police officers because that's how their brain is trained to work. 192 hours, 129 hours mm-hmm. went into them defending on how that use of force graph works. So take a look at it, understand it, understand that how you react in that situation in that split second can allow that police officer to use uh, control, soft, hard, intermediate weapons all the way up to lethal force, depending on strictly how you are as a person and how you're dealt with. Yeah. Identifying yourself as carrying a weapon. 
immediately allows them to use intermediate weapons to control you. Um, not listening to them and being actively resistant allows them to use soft hand controls to control you. Now, for a big guy like me, if you're over six feet and you tower over this officer, they have the excuse then to skip over soft hand controls completely and go right to intermediate weapons and weapons. Yeah. So look at that, understand it. But the, the final thing is just do what they say. None of it's binding. We've, we've said this several yeah. times. Get a lawyer involved. Be respectful. Be respectful. If they take you in, Stay take calm. the inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it'll get a lot more inconvenient if you don't. Yeah. And I can't stress it enough. A lawyer, a lawyer, a lawyer. A lawyer is on your side. They are by law required to keep everything say, uh, confidential between the two of you. And, uh, and they are... Again, when you pay for them, they are on your side. The police are not, they are not capable of determining guilt. It doesn't matter if they are willing to do a deal with you on the side of the road. They are not empowered to do that, right? right? What they're doing right there is negotiating on behalf of a judge. It is not legally permissible. And again, don't bring that shit up. Mm-hmm. Bring it up to the lawyer. Yeah. Right? Let the lawyer be your advocate. Don't you talk are logistics not your own with advocate. the police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Do not. The system does not respect you, but they respect lawyers. So find one that likes you. Yeah. That's what you need. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that'll probably be it for today. Yeah. I know we've kind of carried Alrighty. this out. And uh, thanks, guys. I hope you had a uh, great listen. Thank you for getting to the end of the podcast. We've got to do it next week. Uh, next <laughs> week, uh, we're going to be talking about the lovely Bahamas and Perfect. how not to visit them. <laughs> <laughs> All See you next week. <laughs>